Welcome to the Rich Roll Podcast, episode 53, with the infamous Durian Rider, aka Harley Johnstone. The Rich Roll Podcast. Hey everybody, Rich Roll here. This is the Rich Roll Podcast. Welcome to the show. What do we do here? Each week, I bring to you the best and the brightest, the most forward-thinking, paradigm-busting minds in health and fitness and wellness and athleticism. I've had doctors, I've had nutritionists, I've had health professionals, I've had yogis, I've had meditators, and I've had entrepreneurs. And the common theme in the message is this, think outside the box. The idea is to bring to you the best information You can sort through it. You can take what resonates with you, discard the rest, but incorporate into your life the message that makes sense, that resonates with you so that you can unlock and unleash your best, most authentic self for optimal, long-term, sustainable wellness. And when I say wellness, that means a harmony of mind, body, and spirit. So today on the show, I have a guy that certainly fits the bill the infamous, the outspoken, the lightning rod for controversy, known as Durian Rider, aka Harley Johnstone. Now, many of you who are listening to the show, you've probably heard of Durian Rider. Maybe you've seen one of his videos. He's a very, very uh, popular YouTube channel called Durian Riders on YouTube. I think he has a number of YouTube channels. And uh, quite regularly, he posts little short videos, mostly featuring himself or his girlfriend, where he uh, advocates on behalf of a low-fat, high-carb, vegan diet. Essentially, he's a proponent of the 80-10-10 diet, uh, which is very fruit-based. If you've been listening to the show, you might have heard my interview with Michael Arnstein, elite marathon runner Michael Arnstein, who has professed his uh, adherence to this diet and um, advocates it not just as a very healthy way to live, but also as a way to perform exceptionally as an athlete. He's an elite marathon runner. He was the fifth American at the New York York, uh, Marathon a couple of years ago. He also produces and hosts the Woodstock Fruit Festival every year, of which uh, Durian Ryder is a regular attendee. They're friends. And also I had Mac Dancing on the show, who for the last, uh, I don't know, four, five, six months has been playing around with this 80-10-10 fruitarian diet. And if you remember his interview on the show, he was – talking about how good he felt and how, how uh, he felt like his body was performing very well on it. So uh, this may seem sort of marginal to a lot of people to basically just eat fruit all the time. But uh, here's another guy who's going to come on the show and tell you how he is thriving, not just as a human being, but as an athlete as well on this diet. Now, Harley is uh, no stranger to controversy. Uh, the guy is very outspoken. He calls it like he sees it. Uh, he, like I said, is a lightning rod for controversy. Um, he is uh, not afraid to call people out by name or take other health uh, advocates to task for the message that they're putting out there, particularly when people are trying to, in his opinion, uh, dupe consumers or sell them products that they don't need. And uh, he's got thick skin, I got to tell you, because I don't know that I could uh, entertain the kind of controversy uh, that he invites into his life. But he's very passionate about his message. And he has quite the following, too. Very rabid, 
uh, loyal and uh, vast global following of people. And uh, I was glad to give Harley the microphone and let him tell his story, particularly for people out there who may have never heard of him or hasn't, have never seen his videos. Uh, he's a speaker, he's an activist, he's an athlete, um, quite a fast runner and uh, cyclist as well. And he's essentially on a mission to raise public awareness of the benefits of this high-carb, low-fat, uh, vegan lifestyle. He's also a strong advocate of simplifying your life, uh, of getting rid of all of the material possessions that don't serve you and just living closer to nature. And I think that's a message that we can all uh, benefit from listening to. Uh, and so whether you agree with Harley or you don't or you see things differently or you have a different perspective on nutrition, hey, that's fine. Um, try to find the commonalities and, uh, and try to um, set aside maybe the drama that swirls around Harley and listen to what he's trying to tell you. Because essentially what he's saying is, look, people, we got to eat more plants. We're in a healthcare crisis. And this healthcare crisis is not uh, focused just on North America. As a matter of fact, when this podcast airs, I'll be returning from DC. I'm going to Washington, DC to, to speak at the uh, DC VegFest, which I'm really excited about. It's my hometown. But then I'm going to go almost directly uh, to Pakistan. I'm speaking in Karachi, Pakistan. And that's really exciting. I've never been to the Middle East. It's a part of the world. You know, I'm really excited to experience firsthand. And I was doing a little bit of research into uh, this, the state of health in Pakistan. And I figured, well, their obesity rates and heart disease rates and diabetes rates are probably a lot better than they are in America. And I was surprised to find out that they're actually experiencing most of the same problems that we're experiencing here as the Western diet starts to uh, spread its tentacles worldwide. And uh, they're not immune from heart disease. The heart disease rates there are, are going nuts right now as are diabetes rates. And, you know, you look at China, which is a country in certain parts of China that have really never experienced heart disease. And now with, you know, KFC and Burger King and fast foods and the Western diet kind of proliferating worldwide, China is having an obesity crisis for the first time. So this is not just about North America. It's not just about Australia. This is a global problem. And what can we do about it? Well, it starts with personal responsibility. We have to make the best choices for ourselves and for our kids and think about what our legacy is and what kind of planet we want to leave behind for our kids. It's not a joke. It's something to take seriously. And sometimes it's hard to think, well, I can't make a difference. Look at what, what Monsanto is doing and what am I supposed to do, take on McDonald's? But the one thing that you can do is control what you put in your mouth and how you move your body and don't let anyone ever tell you otherwise. And this is a guy, Harley, who's coming on the show today who's going to echo that in uh, very strong, unequivocal terms, the great Harley Johnstone. Before we get into it, a couple little things I wanted to mention. Uh, I wanted to give a shout out to my buddy, Pete Goddard, from KBL Eyewear. Pete reached out to me on the internet because of the podcast, essentially, which is a great thing about the podcast. I get to meet so many cool people. Anyway, he sent me an email and was like, hey man, I love what you're doing. I love the show, but you've got to get rid of those glasses that you're wearing, those uh, those Warby Parkers, man. You're in the public eye, you're getting your picture taken. You got to get rid of those cheap frames. And why don't you come down and let me hook you up with something decent? And I was like, well, I kind of like my Warby Parkers. Like, I like that company. I like that they provide, you know, uh, a cost-effective 
eyeglass for the consumer, especially when eyeglasses can be so expensive. And as I was thinking about that, I realized I could barely see through my lenses. They were so scratched because I bought cheap lenses. And uh, anyway, I went down and saw him down at his office in Venice and he hooked me up with some super sweet frames, these matte black finish frames that are beautiful. And so thank you, Pete, um, KBL Eyewear. You can find out more about KBL Eyewear at kbleyewear.com. There's a list, uh, there's a menu item on there to find out where <clears throat> the optometrists or the eyeglass stores near you are selling them. Uh, Pete hooked me up and my wife up with some sunglasses and I bought another pair of sunglasses for my stepson and they're really high quality frames. Really, really nice stuff. So if you want to see a little bit about what we got, uh, check my Instagram feed. Put a couple pictures up there of me and the sporty new frames, which are awesome. So thanks a lot, man. Really appreciate that. So check those guys out. Um, I love supporting people that support the podcast. Uh, what else? Um, plant-based nutrition enthusiasts, maybe after listening to today's interview, you're thinking twice about your paleo diet or maybe looking to take your plant-based nutrition routine to the next level. Um, if you want to learn a little bit more about how I do it and my wife does it, we have an online course, The Ultimate Guide to Plant-Based Nutrition. It's at mindbodygreen.com. It's three and a half hours of online content broken down into five to 10 minute videos, each very specific to a, a subject that is, I think, pertinent and based on questions that I get all the time, like, what do you do when you travel? What do you do when you're in hotels all the time or airports? And how do you deal with friends that are trying to tell you you're on the wrong path and how do you raise kids on a vegan diet and what do you eat before you work out what do you eat during you during your workout what do you eat after your workout all those things we made videos and addressed all of those questions including all of the kind of broader questions that that are that arise around eating this way the environmental concerns and the ethical concerns and you know what's wrong with paleo and all that kind of stuff there's also an online community where you can interact, uh, ask your questions, and Julie and I chime in there, answer them, and the community jumps in as well, help each other out. So it's a win-win. Check it out. Uh, what else? Oh, the Plant Power t-shirts. Yes, lots of questions about the Plant Power t-shirts. We have them in stock, but they're not up on the website yet. They should be up in the next two weeks. We're just having to reconfigure the site so that we can sell these things. Um, I'm bringing some with me to Washington, D.C., so if you're there, grab one. But I think by the time I publish this, that will be over with. But anyway, hopefully by the time you listen to this, they'll be up and for sale. They're pretty groovy. So uh, I will keep you posted on that as well. Uh, if you want to learn more about Durian Rider, you can go to his website, durianrider.com. He also has an online forum called 30 Bananas a Day. Uh, where people interact with each other and post a lot of stuff. It's a pretty interesting uh, community there. And what else? Oh, his YouTube channel, Durian Riders. He's on. He's on. Uh, he's on Twitter too. He's not that active there. He's Durian Riders on uh, on uh, Twitter and uh, Durian Rider on Facebook, I believe. But anyway, let's just get into it. We'll let him tell you all about it. We're brought to you today by Momentus. Over the last 16 years, I can safely say that I have tried almost every single plant-based protein out there. And I can tell you that most of them are highly processed, 
with tons of additives and or they taste terrible, they're not third-party tested or simply just don't hit the nutritional bullseye with a legit science-supported formula with the appropriate amino acid profile that promotes optimal nutrient absorption, which is all just a long way of saying how enthusiastic I was to be introduced to Momentus's 100% plant-based protein, which solves for all of the above and then some with a precise blend of pea and rice proteins, which yields a complete amino acid profile, tastes great, and has become my go-to to ensure my body is supplied with energy for proper recovery and function. Momentous products are simply the best in the industry, which is why they're used by over 90% of NFL teams, by Olympians, Tour de France champs, and world-class athletes across every sport. With all the BS in the supplement world, I trust Momentus's industry-leading quality standards and quality. Try Momentus for yourself by going to livemomentous.com slash richroll for 20% off plant-based protein and all of their top-of-the-line products. That's L-I-V-E-M-O-M-E-N-T-O-U-S.com slash richroll for 20% off. We're brought to you today by On. I am a total gearhead. I love researching the latest technology for the sports I enjoy. And I've learned that people often overlook apparel, but what you wear isn't just clothes. It is without a doubt, technology. Technology that can make or break a performance. And I can tell you after spending two full days meeting with the apparel wizards at On Labs in Zurich, that On is innovating in this space like no other with next-gen premium fabrics, and just this heightened level of sophistication and precision and testing and development and intentionality previously unheard of that puts them just miles beyond the competition. I've been rocking On's high-performance running apparel, including the long tees, the weather jackets, even the climate jacket, all super lightweight, tailor-fit, built to move, and just gorgeous to get you out and get it done in fleet foot comfort, no matter the weather. I'm super proud to be a brand partner with this impressive team. From increasing product sustainability to improved energy return and impact protection, truly Swiss innovation at its finest. To get you moving, On is offering an exclusive 10% discount. To redeem, head over to on.com slash richroll and use code richroll10 at checkout. We're brought to you today by a very exciting brand new sponsor, Go Brewing. I am sober. I don't drink. And I devoted so many episodes of this podcast to the unreal benefits of an alcohol-free lifestyle. Why? Because even if you don't have issues with booze and suds, no amount of alcohol is good for you. At a minimum, it wreaks havoc on your sleep and produces a hangover that destroys your energy, your mood, and your focus. At worst, it turns your whole life upside down. But no longer does that mean you have to break up with your favorite brew because my pals at Go Brewing are making all your favorite brews, minus the alcohol, fewer calories, and more productive tomorrows. It's not every day that I get the privilege to witness the inception of a company collaborating with our podcast, but that's exactly what happened with Go Brewing. I'm gonna tell you this story. A few years back, I spoke at this event in Illinois, fittingly named Go, 
And it turns out that that very day catalyzed Joe, the founder, to start his own N.A. beer company, Go Brewing. I had no idea about any of this until I bumped into Joe at Jesse Itzler's Running Man event the other month in Georgia. And he shared this story with me. I savored his fare in all its varieties and deeply moved by the mission and what he shared with me and just impressed with the insane taste and quality of his alcohol-free concoctions, I wanted to help share the discovery. Made with natural ingredients faithful to traditional beer styles, Go Brewing has an impressive lineup of delicious, small-batch, craft, alcohol-free brews, all without added sugar or artificial processing. My favorite is their double IPA, not just another story, but basically you just really can't go wrong because everything they make is brewed to perfection, worthy of trying yourself, which you can now do at gobrewing.com. That's gobrewing.com and use the code richroll for 15% off your first purchase. The health vigilante, the one and only, the controversial, the lightning rod for controversy. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm proud to bring you my conversation with Harley Johnstone, a.k.a. Durian Rider. Thanks for taking the time, man. A lot of uh, demand to get you uh, on the show. I think like every single day I get an email like, when are you going to have Durian Rider on the, on, the, on the podcast? So by popular demand. And the funny thing too is I feel like... Uh, like every other uh, guest I've had on the show, it seems like lately has been uh, Aussie. So you're continuing the uh, the trend. <clears throat> I wanted to bring you on, and I just I want you to uh, spin your yarn, man. Don't pull any punches. No no uh, no rules. Nothing is uh, out of bounds. I just want I want to hear it straight from the source. Cool. And uh, you know I've been I've been following you for a long time. I can't say I've watched every single uh, video, but I've watched quite a few. And uh, and you're you're an outspoken bloke and you're not afraid to speak your mind. And uh, I respect that, man. I appreciate that. We have different styles and how we approach things, but uh, there's a need for guys like you. But yeah, man, I wanted to kind of, uh, you know, peel back the layers a little bit. I mean, we want to talk about all the, all the stuff that you're passionate about, but I think I wanted to start with talking a little bit more in depth about something that maybe you don't talk as much about, which is how this whole thing started for you. Like what was going on? I mean, I know you were a very different guy when you were younger in terms of your diet and your, your fitness and what you were into and all that kind of stuff. But how did it, how did it all begin? Like, you know, t tell me about what your health was like w before you started this journey. I think as a kid, I was always sick. I'd go to hospital for digestive and breathing issues like asthma and Crohn's disease. And so when you're sick, you just you want to feel good, you know, and then you get the days where you feel good, but it never lasted. So I just became obsessed about trying to pinpoint, connect the dots of what made me feel good and what made me feel bad. And it took me, I think, till I was probably maybe 1996, something like that, 98, 98, where I actually started to make the connection between diet, what you eat, and how you feel. Before that, it was just mm -hmm. like, genetics or bad luck or some virus or some gastro thing getting around but it never occurred to me I think it's about 96 98 those two years um, I remember getting a voucher from McDonald's and eating a lot of burgers and just telling my friend one time I don't feel so good and I think I said I think it might be the burgers and she said do you really think what you eat determines how you feel and I'm like 
Maybe. I reckon maybe it does. <laughs> and we laugh now. But it's a radical concept. That's how I mean, Crohn's disease is no joke, man. Yeah. Yeah. I, so right, I, I mean, yeah. Crohn's disease is a serious deal. Like, t- you know, talk a little bit about what, what it's like to have Crohn's disease. Yeah, just, you know, just you got to have a bathroom nearby, you're crapping blood, and it, it's just a lot of pain. Didn't I didn't have a good time, but I didn't really talk about it too much because as a kid or a teenager, you sort of bit embarrassed about it, stuff like that. So you keep it pretty private. Yeah, it's it's definitely something that people. I mean, I think now people talk about it more, but when I was younger, no one really talked about yeah. it because yeah, it's like embarrassing and all that kind of thing. I mean, what were the doctors telling you when you would go in for you know s- stuff revolving around having Crohn's? They just said to my mum that I was making stuff up and things like that the asthma they could tell i had the asthma and stuff so they gave me heaps of you know steroidal medication things like that but the digestive system was often I'd, i wouldn't go in anyway because i was too embarrassed to talk about it but occasionally mm-hmm. when i did go in they did x-rays and stuff and got me to consume this uh, radioactive stuff and they just said oh we, we can't find anything miss johnson and i think your son's got a bit of imagination going on oh so they didn't even believe that you had it correct Wow. So how did you finally figure out that that's what you had? I mean, you, you couldn't have self-diagnosed yourself with Crohn's at that age, did you? Or, or no, how no, did you finally no figure idea. out that that's what was going on? That was, only, that was only when I basically got over it that I worked out, well, that's, what, that's what's happening. Because I looked at the symptoms and I was like, okay, that's my symptoms, blah, blah, blah. And then a few other doctors um, later in my adult years said, yeah, you've got some digestive issues, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I started to clean up my diet a little bit and symptoms got a lot better and then I started doing sport sport definitely helped a lot but it still wasn't perfect and then once I went vegan like everything, everything just lifted and I was like whoa this is how I'm meant to feel but what mo- what motivated you to try a vegan diet like what was the impetus for that I had chronic fatigue you know I just I started getting into cycling started getting the sport and I'd go train I'd be all excited I wouldn't do much training but I'd just get burnt out I'd just be so fatigued I just couldn't get out of bed and I was like what's going on and so I'd have to take time off a few months off riding and stuff and then met this guy one day, this real sort of naturopath, herbal sort of health freak, Mark Hock, and uh, he just said, just try a vegan vegetarian diet. And I'm like, what the hell is that? Mm-hmm. I don't want to be a hippie. And he just said, well, you're pretty sick, mate, and you're only young. So if you keep going what you're doing, you're going to get cancer, heart disease, type 2 diabetes, mate. So, you know, I don't care how fit you might think you are, but if you keep eating the crap you're eating, you're going to get sick. And I said, well, mm-hmm. to be honest, I'm pretty sick right now, Mark, and I'll try anything. And after a couple of days, that was it. That was no turning back. And I've been vegan ever since. Right. Yeah, I mean, I had a, I, I mean, I don't think, I wasn't as sick as you, and I was certainly older. But what I remember <clears throat> about making the switch was just how dramatic it was in such a short period of time. You know, it didn't take very long for the body to respond. And that's like it's like a watershed moment where you, you connect the dots all of a sudden on something you never really thought about before, like that connection between what you're putting in your body and how it's making you feel. Mm. It was powerful. Right? It was powerful. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. I mean, when I started, I don't know what it was like for you, but I didn't know what I was doing. You know, I just tried it almost on a whim. It wasn't like I read a bunch of books or all the books that are out now. It was, uh, it was almost you know, accidental. I didn't even have anyone telling me you should try a vegan diet. I just sort of experimented with it and was like, whoa, there's something going on here. Definitely. Definitely. And there was a lot of defining moments, a lot of people who contributed and sort of little seeds got planted. People would say stuff about what's in McDonald's burgers, what's in meats, pies, and you know, how meat doesn't digest in your colon, just sits there for years or whatever. Just little seeds of truth that I heard that eventually just became a full grown root 
in my consciousness and just it took hold and grew. Uh-huh. So so will you have this experience where you suddenly start to feel bad? I mean, were you overweight then? Or? No, no, I wasn't no. overweight. So you, yeah, 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 but you weren't you weren't that athletic then. I was wanting to be. I was always as a kid. I was always wanted to be one of those fit kids. I always get picked last on a sports day, and a lot of my friends from school now they can't believe how fit I am. They're like, "Hang on, hang on, no, you're Harley from school. Like you, you're, you're the guy who got picked last on sports day. You're the guy who all the girls ran faster than. You're the guy who couldn't catch the ball or whatever. Uh-huh. What are you doing now? You're running marathons. You're winning running races. What? Well, how does that work? So right. I was always wanted to be athletic. I really admired. I'd watch the Nike adverts on TV. You know, the, there was no finish line stuff like that. And I'd always want to be like the kids riding the bikes around and and be strong and stuff and have fitness and energy. I just wanted to have energy, but I never had it. Mm-hmm. And then so suddenly, so now that you have this sort of new lease on life by changing your diet this way, so I guess you're saying that that that's what gave you the the energy or the the resurgence of vitality in order to kind of then pursue that? Definitely. I, I think that's why I'm so evangelical and so passionate and so persistent and nagging because I've felt so crap and I feel so good now and I want everyone to feel how good I feel. Right, right. And so then how has it, uh, it evolved since that first kind of experience? I mean, because you've continued to experiment and play around with different things to kind of where, the, where, where you're at right now, which I want to get into in a minute. Just sort of stumbled into raw foods, eating more fruit, understanding that fruit was actually a good option rather than just a snack. The concept of having fruit for a meal uh, versus just a snack after a meal, that was definitely life-changing as well. Um, and just talking about getting more about, learning about low fat and how many grams of carbs to eat and how to be properly hydrated, when to eat, you know, things like that, mm-hmm. sleeping patterns. Were you like reading a bunch of books then or just sort oh, yeah. of experimenting on yourself? Both, just Are, reading, 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 talking, right. emailing, nagging So what were, some, what were some of the books that you were reading that you found helpful? One of the first ones, my friend Paul Reed gave me a copy of Fit for Life by Harvey Diamond. Mm-hmm. And that was a real, uh, very good book to start with for me. Talked about eating fruit for breakfast and lunch. And I started doing that. Boom, just felt great. Then got a book about raw food by Paul Nixon. In that book, it was a pretty confusing book because it talked about breatharianism and stuff like that. But And they had an <laughs> interview with Doug Graham in there. And I was like, wow, of all the interviewers, all the interviewees that Paul Nixon has interviewed, this Doug Graham guy, he's the only fit-looking person in the whole book. Everyone else looks like crap. Looks like they couldn't run around a block. Surely mm-hmm. nice people, but I wanted I wanted energy. So I'm like, hey, this thick guy, he, he looks like he's got some energy. And... Uh, so I just started doing some Google searching on Doug Graham and read some of his blogs and internet posts and then eventually started getting an email contact with Doug and went from there. So was that before his 801010 book came out? Or? That was 2002. Right. And 2002 is when you first got in touch with him? Or I can't remember when his book came out. I know 2002, out I got in contact with him briefly. 2003, I bought his... Uh, Actually, two thousand two, I bought his books, creating health programs, stuff like that. His uh, "How Much Fruit's Too Much Fruit" CD. Basically, bought all everything Doug had on sale at the time, and just listened to it over and over and over again. I do like two hundred k bike rides, just listen to it, repetition, and then got into contact with Doug on email, and he helped me out a lot for free as well. Very generous, mm-hmm. and went from there. And then 
So it was pretty quick, like evolution from just sort of saying I'm a vegan to really getting on board with this, the high carbohydrate kind yeah. of sub subset of being vegan, right? Like that was, the, that was like a pretty quick process and, and, and you've never looked back. So it's been 10 years, 11 years now of doing this. Yeah. 12 years being vegan, 11 years into the high raw foods, vegan lifestyle. Right. And, uh, and you know, you continue to excel athletically and win races and get faster. I mean, how old, how old are you now? 36. 36. It's a bit right. of a late so, bloomer. Uh-huh. Have you been, have you been racing this year? Uh, running races I have. Yeah. Uh-huh. How's it going? Yeah, good. I, I set my, be my best times last year. When I was doing a bit more training this year. I've been a bit lazy, but, um, uh -huh. last year definitely set my PBs from marathon to 5k to the mile. Right. Uh, still on about 10 miles a week. <laughs> average over the year. Uh-huh. And quite a bit of cycling. I mean, I know like this past, the last, was it last January when the Strava, the Strava challenge happened and you logged more miles than anybody else on Strava for that. <laughs> how many, how many Ks did you end up riding that month? Uh, 6,190. Right. And I mean, for people that don't know, Strava is a sort of a, a, a social network and online community for, it, it started for primarily for cyclists. And I think it's still predominantly for cyclists, but it's still, it's open for running and, and other fitness related exercises, but it's, it's your way to kind of share your workout and you can see the map and see the data. If you upload your stuff from your Garmin, et cetera. And, uh, <clears throat> and it's pretty popular with professional cyclists. Like there's a lot of professional cyclists that are logging their rides on Strava and they love to mix it up on there as well. And January is the time of year when they're putting in a lot of base miles. So you're you're basically logging miles when there are guys on, you know, the Garmin team or, you know, Liquid Gas or whoever who are also, you know, doing it at the same time. So that's no small feat to be logging the kind of miles that somebody who's doing that for their profession is doing. Yeah, it was, it was a big ego challenge for me. I remember <laughs> what I like about Strava is a big community. It's like Facebook for cyclists and runners, mm -hmm. and it's for everyone. It doesn't matter how fit or unfit you are or how fit you're getting. Strava's for everybody. I remember training with Andy Schleck in January with the Radio Shack Trek team, and I met him in the city. And they're like, "Oh, you, you've been riding this morning. You know, you look like you're already sweaty." I said, "Yeah, I've done 100k already." They're like, "Hey, it's only eight o'clock." How did you do 100 Ks? Uh -huh. I got on the bike at four o'clock this morning, you know. Wow. And they're like, no way, no way. Show me the Garmin, show me the Garmin. And they're like, like Andy Schleck and Jens Voigt are just going, bullshit, how are you riding so much, man? What's uh -huh. up with that? And they were tripping That's... out. Um, they were just, all the teams were tripping out. And then they started talking about it because I was riding a bamboo bike and they're like, is that crazy vegan guy on his bamboo bike and he's doing more, <laughs> he's doing like 100 Ks before he meets up with us and then he does extra afterwards. And it was, it was a definitely a tough month. But it was good. So, who was the who was the runner up in that? Um, some guy from uh, Guadalupe. Uh -huh. who, who was uh, it was a bit it was a bit of a controversy there. I, I was trash talking a lot of guys, <laughs> trying to get in a fight. Oh, shocking, shocking man! <laughs> and uh, so so a few guys didn't want me to beat them, so they started doing manual entries. And a manual entry, for those who don't know, it's just you can just make up a number what you rode that day, but you don't have to GPS verify it. Right. So they're just saying, yeah, I rode 350 kilometers today or whatever. And just, they're just trying to piss me off and overtake me. But in the end, I still, I still won. And this year I was speaking with Strava, some of the admin at Strava. And they said, this year for the 2014 base mold challenge, we're going to have no manual entry. So it can only be legit GPS verified data if you want to be in contention again. So that's going to make right. it more fair. So you're going to hit it again. Yeah. All then, right, man. Yeah. So, 
you know, I I want to get into like where you went from sort of experiencing this on a personal level, like this resurgence in vitality that we were talking about, to be to stepping into this kind of not just an activist role, but you know, your self-proclaimed like health vigilante kind of status on the internet. Like, how did that blossom? Like, what was the beginning of that? And and you know, you know, I want to get kind of, I want to pull the 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 veil back a little bit on like what motivates you and, and inspires you to kind of pursue your activism in this way. I just I'd meet people in real life, and it was always a letdown. You know, they'd be like. <laughs> writing books on health and they'd be smoking cigarettes or whatever it wouldn't make them bad people well like, hang on how can you make say fruits bad but you're smoking cigarettes or you're you're eating at mcdonald's or whatever if you say fruits bad so i just wanted to like let their followers know that basically what you're getting taught isn't always correct mm-hmm. i mean was there a day where you know you posted online for the first time or you know i mean how did it kind of begin i mean when did you start your youtube channel uh june 2008 i started it uh, it wasn't that long ago, actually. No. I, I, I thought it would have been back a little bit further. Yeah, freely. And other people said, you should do YouTube, you should do YouTube. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to get involved with that stuff. You know, I just want to be like fruitarian and hang out in the jungle. <laughs> right. But then I realized, hang on, that's not going to help anybody. So I started uh-huh. with YouTube. But you, so, but you made this conscious decision that you wanted to help people. Yeah. Right? So what was what was that about? That was just, did that grow just out of the frustration of... of seeing people professing something that you believed wasn't working or, or the confusion that was out there or the misinformation or, or what was it specifically? A bit of both frustration on misinformation, frustration on people lying for marketing reasons, frustration on um, a lot of different levels, just seeing people getting ripped off. Um, right. And so, so you've come to this place now where, I mean, can you articulate like your basic message to people out there for somebody who might be listening who who isn't familiar with kind of the work that you've done basically i promote a drug-free 100 percent vegan fruit focused high carb low fat vegan lifestyle promote going to bed as early as you can drinking your water focusing your life purpose living that and just being part of the solution versus part of the problem uh-huh so controversial harley <laughs> I can't believe people are upset with you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Come on, man. Let loose a little bit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I, <clears throat> I mean, when you watch, and I'll put this in the show notes too, and I'll do an introduction ahead of time, but you know, you have a really powerful, like your intro video on your YouTube page is just like, this is what I'm about. You know, there's a lot of BS out there. There's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of people with vested interest in having you believe that eating a certain way is good for you. And it's nonsense. And, you know, I'm here to set people straight. I'm not here to make friends. And, you know, you always provide the caveat, like, look, I'm sure they're good people, or I'm not saying somebody's a bad person, but I disagree with this person. And then you're very, very frank. You know, you're, you have the courage and the spine to be a lot more frank than most people are willing, willing to be. And you welcome the criticism because if you read the comments below your YouTube channel, like I'm a thin skinned guy, man. Like, I don't know if I could handle like people coming at me, like they come at you and you're just, you're wired for that. And, uh, and, and like I said, like, I respect that, but but I mean, how does that, does that bother you at all? Or you just, I think you're just, you're a guy who just, you, you, and you, on some level, I, you're enjoying this, right? Yeah, definitely. You I have w- to be. Yeah. I wasn't wired for it though. I did stay up late one night and get a soldering iron out there and a, a TIG welder and, and wire myself up. I put on a bit of a battle wiring because I wanted to help people. And I realized that I can't help people if I'm taking it personally, what people say about me. 
I can't help people if I care more about what they think about me versus getting information to them. I can't help people if I'm being soft or taking it personally. I can't help people if I take things personally. So I just quickly got over that and thought, all right, this is the job. This is the goal. Nothing else matters. It's like riding a bike. You get a flat tire, you fix it, and you keep going. You crash, mm. you get on your bike, you keep going. You break a pedal, you get a spare, you keep going. And so I, I just keep focusing on my goal so it never, ever gets me down. If it starts to get me down a little bit, it means I need to get more sleep water sugar in. Simple as that. Right. I remember one time I did a bike race, and afterwards this guy was talking to me. He goes, oh, you were that guy from YouTube. Like, what do you, you know, he started laying into me. And I was starting to get a little bit offended. I'm thinking, hang on, I never get offended. And I'm like, hang on, I need some more water. So I, I said, wait, I'll be back in a second, mate. So I grabbed a bottle of water, smashed it down, grabbed some dates, smashed them down. I said, all right, I can answer your questions. And I was a different person within literally a minute of getting some water and sugar in, different person. So mm-hmm. I, didn't, I didn't take it personally. So I know that if I'm starting to take it personally, I need more sleep, water, sugar, or, or, or three. So, um, so you begin to post these videos and was there one video in particular that went more viral than the others or, you know, was there a moment where you thought, wow, I'm actually getting, you know, like when did the audience start to arrive? My first few videos, I got about five, 10, 20 views and my channel was pretty dormant for about three years. And then I started doing videos critiquing like Daniel Vitalis, Dave Wolf, Susan Shank, et cetera, just disagreeing with information and just sharing my, my, my opinion. And that sparked a lot of controversy in the health food movement because in the health food world, they're like, hang on, don't judge people, just accept everything how it is. Even if it's mm-hmm. bad information, just accept it. And I'm like, well, that's, I, I disagree with that. And this is my opinion and I'm going to share it. I'm going to use YouTube and social media as a platform to share it with. And that went from there. Right. So um, did it begin with, with David Wolf? I mean, who was the first person that you kind of took to task? I think it was uh, the recently deceased... Uh, Agenus Vunderplanets. The that's not his real name, but that's his that's his uh, author name. He was talking who's, about Agenus. It's this guy who promotes eating uh, raw feces mixed on raw meat. True story. Like look it up. Primal diet. Uh, I've never even heard. I've never even heard of that. He's, he he was he died recently apparently from heart attack. Uh, he had a heart attack and fell off a roof in Thailand. Um, rest in peace. But so I did a critique on Agenus's book, and Agenus tried to sue me for that claiming a copyright claim and stuff like that, and which I got that overturned. Um, and that was my sort of first taste. And then I went after David Wolf, and then he tried to sue me. And then just, and then I was like, hang on, I'm getting sued for telling the truth. I'm going to keep, mm-hmm. keep telling the truth then. <laughs> well, as a lawyer, I could tell you, truth is the ultimate defense to, you know, any of those kind of claims, right? So, I mean, did you, did you successfully get all of these claims dismissed or what, what happened? Well, I just realized that it was civil versus criminal. And I talked to a few of my lawyer friends. They're like, yeah, there's nothing they can do, Harley. Like, it would cost so much money for them to try and do anything. This is just scare tactics. Just, just you know, just waste their time and they'll give up. And they did. And now I learned that... Were they actually like suing you or just sending you like cease and desist letters? Cease or, and desist. You know, that kind of and thing. I got one from Supreme Court of San Diego, um, from Dave Wolf and stuff like that. So, yeah. But uh, as, uh-huh. at the time, I was like, oh, my God, oh, my God. And then I realized, hang on, this is a scare tactic. It's nothing to be worried about. And now, I actually, I enjoy when I get some legal paperwork because what I do is I, I, re- <laughs> I, I read it and then throw it in the recycling bin and then uh, send an email to that lawyer firm, whatever, and say, actually, I got the paperwork, but I lost it. Could you send out another copy? And I just keep doing that until it racks up, you know, a few hundred bucks, a few thousand bucks for the whoever's trying to sue me. Eventually, they, they get the message and they stop sending it out to me. 
All right, man. So, uh, I mean, we're in a situation, I don't know what the stats are in Australia, but in North America, um, you know, the, the health statistics are, are just appalling. You know, one out of every two Americans is likely to contract heart disease. One out of every three can suffer a heart attack. Childhood obesity rates are through the roof. By 2030, uh, I think 50% of Americans will be uh, diabetic or pre-diabetic. You know, 28 million people all over the world suffering from cancer. I mean, these are crazy, crazy statistics. And then we have all of these people professing this diet and that diet, and uh, this is this is how you're going to lose weight and blah blah blah. And there's a lot of confusion out there. And I think that the food companies or you know enjoy it that way because the more confusion there is, then the more likely people are to just keep doing what they're doing and saying, well, if these people can't even figure it out, then, you know, we're, we're going to remain golden. And, uh, <clears throat> and you've taken this sword and you're trying to cut a wide swath through all of this stuff. And there are all these, um, you know, I'm like conflicted because there's all these warring kind of factions within the health food world. You have the, you know, the, just to sort of state the obvious, you know, the low carb, high fat people, the paleo people, the Atkins people, you have the raw food people, you have the, the, you know, primal, you know, these, these tiny distinctions between paleo and primal and then the raw milk people and, and, uh, and, and the vegan people who are doing it for ethical reasons versus the people that are doing it for health reasons. And then we have, <clears throat> you know, people like yourself and Michael Arnstein and Doug Graham who are, you know, succeeding and doing well with this 80-10-10 diet. And you're, you know, you're the third person I've had on the podcast. I had Michael Arnstein on and I had Mac Danzig on more recently who was talking about how he'd been, he's been doing it now probably four months, five months, and he was feeling great and, and, you know, couldn't say enough nice things about, you know, how great he was feeling and how he really believed that this was a good path for him. And my conflict really is, you know, I'm focused on the people that are still eating McDonald's. And when we, when we go and we kind of go to the mat and we're fighting amongst ourselves, are we helping that guy or are we hurting that guy? And I'm not saying I have the answer. And, you know, my, I, I kind of come from a much softer place from you than, than you do in terms of trying to bridge the gap. Whereas you come at it hard and you have this massive following of passionate people. So what you're doing is working. We're just, we're different. I think we have the same goals. I mean, is that accurate? Do you think that that's fair? hundred percent. I think, no, I don't think, I know that there's different demographics out there and we need every single demographic represented. So we need people professional like yourself. We need clowns like me. We need everybody representing at some level that appeals to all the many demographics and subcultures and races and religions out there. So I think it's everyone's doing their what they should be doing. I don't mm -hmm. think any anyone's style is right. I think maybe a style is right for that demographic, but not for every demographic. Right. So I think we yeah, all and need it was like, it was it was funny because when um when my book came out, somebody emailed me and they said, Oh yeah, you know, Durian Rider, he reviewed your book. You should check it out. They sent me a link and I was like, oh, I had like a panic moment. I was afraid you were gonna like attack me, <laughs> you know. And you were very kind. And I appreciated it's the kind book, words man. that you said about my book. I, it meant a lot to me. Um, but I was like, I was like, Harley makes me nervous, man. I don't want to get on the wrong side of this guy. He's going to attack me, you know? No, this is a good book. I, was, I did a big, I did a 200K ride on that book. I was like, you know, Finding Ultra sounds like a good book to, to listen to uh, mm -hmm. while I'm riding my bike on a big ride. So I did a 200K ride uh, June or July last year in the Gold Coast, Australia. And you're talking about this Springbook uh, facility you went to. And just as you said, Springbook, I'm riding past the Springbook sign to the Springbrook National Park 
Uh-huh. That's crazy. Just as you said it, man. And I like, she yeah. was up my spine. I was like, yeah. And I was just, so I, I did an eight-hour ride that day, listened to most of the book, and then finished it off the next day. And I was like, this is, this is good stuff. So I think I saw, um, well, thank you for that. Um, and that's cool. I like when little, the universe gives you little yeah. messages like that. Um, I saw one video. It was a while ago. I can't remember when it was, but you had mentioned that you were going to be, that you were working on a book. Yep. Is that is that going on? Still going on. And I think this book's definitely going to get me sued. Because uh, the good thing about self-publishing a book is I can write whatever I want to write. There's no YouTube policing or Facebook policing or Instagram policing. So this book's going to be, it's going to ruffle a lot of feathers. And I've got stories I'm going to put out there. I'm just going to put it all out there in this book. I know Michael Arnstein's working on a book too. Yeah, he is. Uh, fruit, is fruit is fast food. So yeah, it would be great to, you know, Get your get your voice out there and and you know get it in writing and you know go beyond YouTube and uh, get something that people can put in their hands and, and read from your perspective because it's a, you have a very very powerful point of view you know and uh, and it's reaching a lot of people man and you're doing a lot of good and you are ruffling feathers but you know it's uh, you know I think there's a big part of me that's like you know we need a revolution. You know, people are really sick and it's like, I've been traveling a lot lately. I'm in a lot of airports and you just see really unhealthy people and the line at the McDonald's in the airport is a mile long and there's no healthy options. And you just think like, what is going on? You know, we're just upside down on this whole thing. It's so easy now with social media. I'm trying to target the the young, yeah, the young kids out there, the sub 20 or the sub 25 year old girls and guys. That's my target audience now because I feel that's the next generation coming through and they're the most easy to influence because they want to look good and be slim and lean and or whatever. And unfortunately, that's why I, and I think they're, they also have a lot, a lot of them have parents that are overweight or sick or, or whatever. And they're seeing that and they're like, I don't, I don't want that. You know, what, what can I do to be different to not be suffering the way that my parents are? Especially the girls. I mean, most of my talks is a female audience because they're like, well, I want to get skinny. I want to get slim and got like freely. I want to lose the weight. What, what do I do? You know, and they they're sick of the starving or the thyroid mm-hmm. drugs or whatever, and they just want to get slim and still feel sane. So that's we used to focus right. on health, and health's good, <laughs> but unfortunately, people are more motivated by aesthetics than health today. So I understand that, but the good thing is our aesthetic message is is the best message for health as well. We're brought to you today by Birch. If you're serious about optimizing your sleep listen up. I've spent countless hours researching and testing various methods to improve my nightly shut-eye, and I can confidently say that it all starts with a good foundation. And if your bed is old, if it's uncomfortable, lumpy, then your sleep inevitably is going to be impacted. So it's important to invest in a quality mattress, one that's insanely comfortable, that's organic, sustainably made, and that, my friends, is a birch mattress. Fairtrade and Rainforest Alliance certified with the finest quality organic natural materials like organic Fairtrade cotton. Birch mattresses are made with none of the toxic chemicals and off-gassing produced by most major brands. Kind of important not to be breathing that for a third of your life, I'd say. Plus, it's super luxurious. I've been sleeping on Birch for about five years, and I'd say it's the perfect ratio of soft to supportive and the craftsmanship is just next level. I've got one in every room of my house. I love it. Pretty sure you will too. And right now, Birch is giving 20% off all mattresses and two free EcoRest pillows at birchliving.com slash richroll. That's 20% off and two free EcoRest pillows. Sleep better with Birch.
We're brought to you today by Seed. Gut health is all the rage. There's good reason for that. I've probably devoted, I don't know, at least a dozen episodes of this podcast to the many, many crucial ways the microbiome contributes to your overall well-being or lack thereof, and to the many diet and lifestyle protocols we should all adopt to promote gut health from fermented food, to fiber and everything in between, including, of course, the importance of supplementing with a probiotic. And the one that I have come to trust far beyond the shenanigans of the supplement world is Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic. It's the most solid, science-based, and rigorously evidence-backed probiotic and prebiotic on the market. Formulated for optimal digestion, gut immune function, gut barrier integrity, skin health. In fact, my 16-year-old daughter has been using it to clear up a significant acne issue, and it's been wonderful, as well as many other systemic benefits. Like I said, I've been taking it daily, personally, for years. I love it. My body loves it. And right now, for our listener community, Seed is offering 25% off your first month of Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic. Visit seed.com slash richroll and use the code richroll25 to redeem this offer. That's seed.com slash richroll or code richroll25. We're brought to you today by recovery.com. I've been in recovery for a long time. It's not hyperbolic to say that I owe everything good in my life to sobriety. And it all began with treatment and experience that I had that quite literally saved my life. And in the many years since, I've in turn helped many suffering addicts and their loved ones find treatment. And with that, I know all too well just how confusing and how overwhelming and how challenging it can be to find the right place and the right level of care, especially because unfortunately, not all treatment resources adhere to ethical practices. It's a real problem, a problem I'm now happy and proud to share has been solved by the people at recovery.com who created an online support portal designed to guide, to support, and empower you to find the ideal level of care tailored to your personal needs. They've partnered with the best global behavioral health providers to cover the full spectrum of behavioral health disorders, including substance use disorders, depression, anxiety, eating disorders, gambling addictions, and more. Navigating their site is simple, search by insurance coverage, location, treatment type, you name it. Plus, you can read reviews from former patients to help you decide. Whether you're a busy exec, a parent of a struggling teen, or battling addiction yourself, I feel you. I empathize with you. I really do. And they have treatment options for you. Life in recovery is wonderful, and recovery.com is your partner in starting that journey. When you or a loved one need help, go to recovery.com and take the first step towards recovery. To find the best treatment option for you or a loved one, again, go to recovery.com. So I can get totally down with 801010 and I've talked to enough people that are that are, you know, experiencing great results like yourself on it. So I have no problem with, you know, being on board with that as something that <clears throat> that uh, you know, that is advisable because I've just seen too many people that are thriving on it. Um and uh, you know, Michael Arnstein just can't say enough great things about it. And like I said, Mac Danzig, et cetera. But I will say like I saw, so I've been, I watched a, a few videos and I, I've been watching the ones where now you're experimenting with all this processed sugar and you're pouring all this sugar on your, on your cereal. 
And then I'm like, yeah, I don't know about that. You know, so tell me what's going on with that, man. Come on. You're like, pour like half a bag of sugar on your cereal. Yeah, like half a pound or more. I just want to help people understand the concept. In the raw food world, it's like fruit's bad because fruit's got a lot of sugar in, in it. In the low-carb world or the, the standard American, standard Australian diet world, people are like, oh, fruit's bad, it's got a lot of sugar in it. I've been eating so much sugar from fruit for like over a decade. And I've got more blood tests, my hemoglobin A1C, my blood sugar levels, testosterone, all my thyroid. Everything's all perfect with no medications. So the fruit's good. And I'm lean as. And I don't do much training compared to guys. But I have no, no problem. No, yeah, I have no problem saying fruit's good. But let's can we, can we create a distinction between fruit and the processed sugar that you're pouring on, on your cereal? Or are you saying that it doesn't matter? I say it doesn't matter, but fruit is obviously a better choice because it's got all your, all your enzymes and nutrients and fiber with it. I want to help debunk the myth that sugar causes obesity or whatever. And by, by pouring some sugar on some cereal in a YouTube video or in my smoothie, I can help create a little bit of a, a, little bit of a wave there. But I honestly do consume that much sugar if I can't get enough sweet fruit. When I'm in Thailand and the US, the fruit's a lot sweeter there. So I don't really have to go to the sugar. But in Australia, if I'm a bit strapped for sugars from fruits, then I'll just smash in some organic processed sugar on some uh, on some fruit or some rice or some sort of low-sodium cereal with a bit of organic rice milk or whatever. I have no issue with that at all. And I want to give people options so anyone can eat healthy, anyone can eat lean and clean foods. And obviously the, the sugar, processed sugar, has got a very, very bad stigma. But I'm so sensitive. I can only eat really, really clean food. So if I can get away with that, than anyone can really. But the problem is that there are people, you know, drinking big gulps left and right or drinking, you know, 12, 12 Cokes a day. And, you know, and that's kind of like their go-to thing. And these people are contracting diabetes all over the place, right? They're, they're obese. They're just on the, the high fructose corn syrup like all day long. And uh, I mean, do you worry that when you put a video out like that, that it will get misinterpreted? Oh, definitely. It's good. Everything I do is going to get misinterpreted by someone but at least they're thinking about it and maybe create a bit of discussion. Like, oh, that Duran Rider guy, he's crazy. But it creates a bit of discussion. If you look on any health forum on the internet and type in Duran Rider, I'm there. The people are talking about it. So I want to create discussion. But with the big, uh -huh. the big gulps and stuff, the issue, I haven't drunk a Coca-Cola since September 2000 when I was watching the Sydney Olympics. I believe Coke is poisoned. It's not because of the sugar. It's because of the frosturic acid and all the black stuff in there and the, the nasties in the Coke. I don't think it's the sugar. The sugar is fine. But it's what people have with the sugar. Generally, when people have a big gulp lemonade or whatever, they're having like ribs or chicken wings and all this fat with it. So they're putting all this fat in their bloodstream and they're having some uh, some sugars and it's skyrocketing their blood sugar. But I've got some friends who are heroin addicts and they all just live on candy and like lollies, not chocolate, but just like lollies and uh, soft drink soda and they're slim as. Obviously, they're uh, not healthy by any means. Right. I mean, <laughs> yeah, like, I don't know what you're, you know, like, uh, yeah, I don't know any, there there aren't very many overweight heroin addicts. No, but, yeah, but there's, I, there are some. But. There, you're right. There is some. I do, I have met some overweight meth and heroin addicts, and they're the ones who eat the sausages and stuff. My experience with drugs, I used to do a lot of drugs myself back in the day in the 90s. Most people do drugs, I've found out, for weight loss. Most people are addicted to meth and that because they want to get slimmer or coke and stuff like that. It makes you feel good, but then you start getting slim. You think, wow, I'm, I'm sort of looking a little bit better. That's probably another topic, but the, the whole processed sugar is a non-issue. It's what people eat the sugar with. And I wouldn't drink coke because it's got all the phosphoric acid and all the nasties in there, but I'll pour organic sugar 
into my banana smoothie or organic coconut sugar in there, no worries. But if you mm. hand me a can of Coke, I'll say well, no thanks. I mean, it's definitely controversial because you have on the other, you know, on the other side of this coin, you have this whole group of people and and a group of people who kind of really have the microphone right now who are saying sugar's bad. Not only is sugar bad, all sugar is bad. And your body can't distinguish whether this sugar is <clears throat> coming from coming from fruit or processed sugar. It's, it all, it's, it's all bad and you should not eat any fruit either. And that this is evil, like coming from the Robert Lustig's and the, you know, that kind of camp. So your, your response to that is what? They are correct. Sugar, sugar, pretty much like my diabetic friends when they have sugar from fruit or sugar from Coke, or whatever, pretty much works the same. If you've got a little bit of fiber, it's a bit of a slow release, but it pretty much affects your blood sugar the same if you eat a high fat diet. But if people go on a fruitarian 80-10-10 style diet, they reverse their type 2 diabetes in a few days or a few weeks. So they get to cut the fat out and the protein out. Their blood sugars come down to a normal level. Same on the Neil Bernard reversing diabetes program where it's just rice, 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 pasta, etc. corn, high glycemic foods, whatever, just high sugar. So they still reverse the type 2, diabetes, uh, type 2 diabetes clinically. So it works. But people like Robert mm -hmm. Lustig, the overweight guy, and there's that Richard Johnson guy, the... The nutrition expert he looks like barney from the symptoms i'm i swear he's an alcoholic or whatever he sounds like a nice guy but he, he it sounds like he's drunk in his presentation he's saying sugar's bad and it's going to make you fat and i'm like no offense mr johnson but uh, if you look in the, in the mirror <laughs> you must be a closet fruitarian so mm -hmm. my goal is to appeal to that younger audience and and be a shock tactic and go hang on this guy's eating 30 bananas a day or 50 bananas a day or 100 bananas a day or whatever and, and him and his girlfriend they're, they look like they step out of a concentration camp and I follow them on Strava, and yeah, they do a lot of training in January, but the rest of the year, they're not doing that nothing that no one else is doing. What's going on here? Maybe there's something in this high-sugar diet. Maybe there's something in the fruit. And maybe the fact that sugar is sugar pretty much, whether it's GMO, high-fructose corn syrup, or bananas, it's going to affect your blood sugar pretty similarly. Obviously, GMO, I'm not supporting that at all. Mm -hmm. But the, the notion that people are getting fat from fructose is just, that is just absolute rubbish. So then, if so, then how would you articulate how people are getting fat? We just go to McDonald's and look what they're eating, and they're having a the big gulp, and they're having mm. a Big Mac or something, and they're having all this high insulin index foods like the beef and the dairy, these things that spike your insulin growth factor. They spike your insulin. That's why professional bodybuilders, non-diabetic, they they inject insulin because insulin is one of the most anabolic hormones around, and it's legal. It's very dangerous, but it's legal and it's so effective. So they've got guys in the gym shooting up insulin who don't have diabetes. It's very dangerous. People die from it. Every year, some you know, local bodybuilders die or get put in a wheelchair from a diabetic coma because they inject too much mm -hmm. insulin. So these people eating the beef and the dairy and the whey and stuff like that, and they're just spiking the insulin levels right up, which is okay, but what happens is the insulin levels stay up. They stay high, so they have an elevated high insulin level a baseline it's always high so that they just they become this anabolic machine that's why the women are massive and the men are getting bigger and it ain't muscle it's just mass so they're just people just getting so, bigger and bigger I mean, if, you, if you if you inject yourself with insulin then you're going to be hypoglycemic right i mean it's going to it just pulls all the sugar right out of your bloodstream correct so essentially you're telling your body that i'm not giving you any glycogen and you're going to have to figure out how to function you're going to have to find a different energy source to get done what you need to get done, whether it's in the weight, weight room or anywhere else, right? Well, that's what the top bodybuilders and athletes, they carry like jelly beans in their pocket or bum bag, you know, 
so they don't have don't go into like a, a hypoglycemic shock or they have some fruit on hand or something like that so some sugars but that's that the secret to mass one of the biggest secrets is high insulin levels and even robert lustig gary torbs dr atkins they all agree and all three of them overweight but they all agree <laughs> high insulin is a necessity for a high body weight and every pro bodybuilder will say that I can't do a fruitarian diet because my insulin levels will get too low and I'll be like a skinny dude like one of them the triathlete guys or something one of those kickboxers I want to be like 250 pounds mm -hmm. so that's why it's impossible to be a high body weight on a fruitarian or high carb vegan lifestyle because your insulin levels are going to drop down to a nice healthy normal genetic blueprint that's our primal blueprint is low insulin levels but people are doing the primal diet paleo diet and spiking the heck out of an insulin and just getting massive long term unless mm -hmm. they're doing like intermittent fasting where they live on a salad a day a slice of bacon for breakfast and they go well i'm doing the paleo diet so now you're doing the starvation calorie restriction diet and again that's not sustainable but you look at the long-term primal paleo people lauren cordain overweight Robert Lustig, overweight. Richard Johnson, overweight. Sally Fallon, overweight. D Dr. Atkins, overweight, dead with heart disease. I'm sure nice people just critiquing their physiological response there to that diet is dangerous. So, mm -hmm. sugar Yeah, I mean, issue. I've noticed that with a lot of those guys, they, they rubber band. Like, if they, if there's something going on and they're going to be in the media, then they, they trim down. But you oh, yes. catch them in between book tours and, and their weight fluctuates. Like, it's... Bingo. It, it, because there's not, I mean, if it's, if you've created a sustainable lifestyle for yourself, then you shouldn't have these peaks and valleys and ups and downs. I mean, certainly you'll have periods like, you know, in the off season when you're not training as much, or if you're an athlete or wherever, when you're going to be, you're going to go up and down a little bit. But, but the, but those, the, the swings seem to be pretty profound with, with a lot of those guys. Exactly. It, like it's normal for your body weight to fluctuate between a healthy baseline, 10, 15%. That's normal. But what's not normal is when people go, wow, like, what happened to them, man? Holy mama. Like Sally Fallon, the, the Weston A. Price lady, the, the photo she has in her book isn't what she looks like in real life. And it doesn't make her a bad person, but it's mm. very misleading to think that people go, oh, wow, look at Sally's book. She's very slim. And I'm like, yeah, Sally's a nice lady, man, but she looks like she's ready for a heart attack and she's on knock on the door of a clinical obesity. Get mm. up to speed. Yeah, I mean, if you, you could take a picture of Neil Bernard any day of the week, and the guy looks exactly the same. Guy, the guy never looks. He looks. I mean, the, and he has like he's drinking from the fountain of youth because I don't know how old he is now, but you know he's incredibly youthful looking. And every time I see him, he looks the same. And he's got a high stress job. Very high stress, actually. Yeah, he's managing a lot with what he does. So, so, so here we are, and uh, and I feel like I vacillate between being despondent and being frustrated with trying to get people to kind of understand what's going on and then being wildly optimistic because I really do feel like there's a movement happening right now and people are really interested in finding a real solution, like a sustainable solution for their health and their fitness. They're starving for it. They're yearning for it. I mean, just just simply by the number of views that you get on your YouTube channel or the number of downloads that I get on this podcast is pretty you know powerful evidence of that. And yet at the same time, we're kind of in this situation where we're having to um, confront this other movement that has a little bit more momentum right now, which is this low carb, you know, kind of paleo lifestyle. I mean, in, in, in uh, you know, in the United States, there are CrossFit gyms everywhere and the paleo diet is kind of interwoven with them. And there's a lot of momentum there. And part of me is like, well, 
people are interested in CrossFit, that's great because if they weren't doing anything previous to that, then at least they're getting active and I have no problem with that. But at the same time, um, <clears throat> we have this paleo diet that is that is super popular here and there are aspects of that that I'm fine with and there are other things that I disagree with. And then there's the perversion of it, of it, which is, you know, gets translated into, you know, you should have bacon like all day long. You know, I think people misunderstand certain aspects of that and then pervert it to their own needs. And so I guess my question to you is, let's talk about paleo. Let's talk about low carb. Let's talk about ketosis. And I want to hear like straight up, like where you're coming down on this whole thing. It's, it's crazy, but, uh, I'll just quickly say that, yeah, the CrossFit community, I've got some friends who do CrossFit, and I think it's good, but I'm not a fan of the, they're doing it against the time and people doing the bad form and stuff like that. So what I've done well, is- Well, I think, yeah, I think what happens is people get excited and it's very competitive in yeah. there and they're, they're pushing really hard and they're not ready to go that hard. And uh, I just read an article, I'll send it to you, I'll, I'll send you the link to it. There was a blog on, the, on medium.com. Um, that's, that somebody I follow on Twitter posted about this, this thing that's starting to happen in, in, uh, CrossFit where people are getting what's called rhabdo. Have you heard of this? Rhabdomyolysis, which is this w weird, like, like sort of condition where the muscles are cannibalizing themselves because people are getting pushed way too hard and they're like eating themselves and they end up in the hospital. Oh, definitely. I see it all the time with the paleo, the paleo CrossFit crew. <laughs> Just pumped up with 500 milligrams of caffeine, zero glycogen in the tank, and just pre-workout pad on top of that, maybe a few lines of coke, whatever, just and just going out and doing cleaning jerks like never before. Just yeah, rotator cuff, slip discs, cruciate ligament torn in the knee. It's, it's crazy. Right, it's and, crazy. and again, like just to be clear, like I'm I'm good with people going to the gym and getting active, and if they're excited about CrossFit, then that's a good thing. But I think everybody needs to sort of be judicious and cautious about and be honest with themselves about what their fitness level is and not get over your head and take your time as you build up and not like go gung-ho too soon and get into trouble. I was talking to a guy in New York recently. I said, what's the deal with steroids and CrossFit? He said, what do you mean? I'm like, what's the deal? He goes, everyone, everyone who's good is doing them, Harley. I'm like, I thought so. It looks like it. You know, some of the CrossFit women, like, <laughs> you can't, I mean, you can tell they're a woman if you can see their face, but if you look from behind, you can't tell if it's a man or a woman. Just the amount of testosterone some of these people must be using is, is I mean, you're going to get some gains now, but long term, I'm concerned the amount of roid usage that some CrossFit people are doing. It's, you know, is, is yeah, that's a, that's another, it's an interesting topic there, but. Yeah, I'm not, I, I don't know anything about that. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me, I guess. Well, you just have to look at their face. Like, I was first introduced to anabolic steroids back in 1997 in a friend's kitchen. He was uh, shooting himself up some uh, D bowl. And he's like, Harley, you know, if we gave you some of this, mate, you'd be smashing up the climbs on your bike. And I'm like, oh, I don't know about that, you know. <laughs> so I've been in the steroid scene for a long time, not taking, but just being around it, friends dealing it, friends taking it, friends taking EPO, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So I'm aware of what to look for than the side effects of people who are on it. Women's easy to tell because they start to look like men. Right, right. I used to live right around the corner from Gold's Gym in Venice which is, you know, the birthplace of Arnold Schwarzenegger and Lou Ferrigno. And, you, and it's funny, you go in there and there are people that just, they come in at, you know, eight, <clears throat> eight in the morning and they're there all day. They clock out at five and like the professional bodybuilders that are in there and the women, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty extraordinary to see these women in there. Yeah, it is. And I, I've got friends who take steroids. I don't, I don't think it's a bad people, bad, I think it's a bad health choice long-term. I don't think they're bad people. 
But it's good to, for the public to understand how much steroid use is actually in the CrossFit world, the paleo world. You got, you know, paleo, I won't name any names, but you got people writing books about paleo primal, obviously doing human growth hormones, steroids, testosterone, Debo, Winstrel, Anavar, Clenbuterol, cutting up for a photo shoot. And then they put that all over Amazon, whatever. And then the naive public go, wow, look at that person. He's like 60 or whatever. He looks really good. And it's like, <laughs> he's going to play about 50 grand of human growth hormone and clean beauty all a year. And he's going to look aesthetic, but that's not how he looks all year long. And that's not how he's going to look in a few years mm-hmm. time. But that's what sells the books. Mm-hmm. So, so let's talk about low carb paleo ketosis. Like what's, What's, you know, what's your, uh, you know, what's your perspective? Like, why is this unhealthy for somebody? Because there, there's a lot of people that eat paleo that listen to my podcast too. It's like, it's kind of an all comers thing. So I just want to try to provide, you know, a different perspective on this diet or give people a couple things to, to think about who, you know, maybe are vacillating between the idea of eating a vegan diet or, or a paleo diet. Just, you know, like a couple things that they should bear in mind or be aware of. Do this, do this experiment in like a, a, a two days, all right? The first day, actually, no, this is probably going to take a bit longer than a day, but because you're going to have to, you're going to have to recover from the paleo diet. So it might take a longer than a day to recover from the paleo diet. But let's just say you do the paleo diet for a week. You eat as much uh, dead flesh, uh, pig, uh, pig flesh, bacon as you want, with as much coconut oil as you want, um, smashing the caffeine. Maybe, maybe no, no, cut the caffeine out because if, you, if you're using stimulants, it's really hard to see the, the effects of a diet. So no stimulants, all right? We're not, no coffee, no tea, no chocolate, no clenbuterol, no EPO, no Coke, whatever. We just eat as much bacon and coconut oil or lard as we want and throw in some kale leaves. And that's your paleo diet, essentially. They say rice makes you fat, fruit makes you fat, blah, 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 whatever. Don't eat fruit, eat fat. So when you're on your bike, drink coconut oil instead and go and do a 1,000 miles in a week. And then the next week or the next month or whatever, when you recover from the paleo diet, when you're feeling healthy again, when you come to hospital or whatever... <laughs> When you can function properly, do the vegan diet, as much fruit as you want, as much rice as you want, as much water as you want. And again, don't use any caffeine so you don't get too uh, too confused there. Keep the variables the same regarding the stimulants and just see what happens. Mm-hmm. And the reality is there's not a single person on the planet, no athlete on the planet ever who does the paleo diet, the, which is a basically low-carb ketogenic diet, because people say, well, no, that's not true, Holly. Rice and fruit's good on paleo. No, 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 it's not. If you read all the books, Rob Wolf, Mark Sisson, Gary Torbs, Lustig, uh, Wheat Belly Guy, the Meat Belly Fat Guy, William Davis, they're all saying carbs are bad, you know, a handful of blueberries is okay. They're all saying that the body's peak performance is in ketogenesis, ketosis. That's what they're saying it is. So we've got to stick with that. That is the low-carb paleo. There's no sneaking uh, super starch like Peter Adia does or Cliff Bars or glucose shots or whatever. That's that's high-carb diet there's not the paleo diet paleo diet it says sugar's bad there's no there's no athlete in the world who's doing better on that low carb ketogenic diet than they would on a high carb vegan diet zip zero nada i said to 50 uh, i said to peter adia i'm getting excited now i said to peter adia the, the ketogenic I, I want you excited this is what i've been trying to get you to do yeah, this, so go this peter, Adia, guys. peter peter atia yeah i want to i want to hear about this because you hear the name peter atia and you hear gary Taubes get thrown around a lot and uh you know so what's going on yeah peter confused atia and gabby tubby Torbs. sure nice guys but i did a video with peter atia uh critiquing his information where he's saying ketosis is the best state for a cyclist i said all right Next time in the USA, I'll bet you $50,000 US, I can beat you up Mount Washington. 
I got no response. Now, if someone said to me, Duran Ryder, I'll bet you $50,000 I can beat you at Mount Washington and you don't have to pay me if you lose, but I'll pay you if you, if, if you win, which I said to Peter, I'd do it. <laughs> right, but in fairness to Peter, he's not a, he's not a cyclist. But he is though, a cyclist. Right? He like, says he's an elite-level oh, cyclist. I didn't, I didn't know that. Yeah, he says, he says he's got huge – if you read his blog, he does a bit of cycling. He's not, but he's not even on a Strava. I said, Peter, maybe show a little bit of a power data. You know, if you use a power meter, put it on a Strava, let's see what your watts per kilo is. No response, mm-hmm. nothing. Just totally ignored. So Peter is a cyclist. I'd even bet any of those paleo weightlifter people, I'll lift more weight than you in an hour. What? Than you ever I think uh, didn't didn't uh, Ben Greenfield just do uh, an Ironman where he experimented with with that diet to see how it would go? Do you know Do you know Ben at all? Yeah, I know Ben. Uh, ben is he sort of changes his tune every week. He changes his diet like he changes his jocks. One week he's doing low carb. One week he's doing high carb. One week he's like I don't use like to use labels in myself. So Ben, I think he's sincere, but he's obviously sincerely wrong. He likes to experiment a bit, and I, I read his little nutrition chart and he says don't eat lemons and cucumbers because they contain sugar and make you fat <laughs> i'm thinking if you say lemons and cucumbers make you fat i'm i'm not sure if he was trolling or what man but i seem to confuse people out there and then you got vinnie totally to who just unfortunately <laughs> overcame cancer on his diet i'm thinking if you get in no, leukemia yeah vinnie i know vinnie i mean vinnie is a like a training partner we're like neighbors out here yeah so vinnie so. sounds like a nice guy and I'm, <clears throat> i was listening to that podcast where he's critiquing my diet and and saying that you know coconut oil is better than sugar for trans i'm i'm just I, I i can't believe people are saying that i can't mm-hmm. believe and then i look up photos and google images of vinnie and he's eating like uh drinking coke or eating like sugar sorbet ice cream or something and i'm like hang on like i thought coconut oils and bacon's the best training fuel but you're eating sugars oh okay interesting that's that's right i mean he's he's a big proponent of of ketosis and you know i love Vinny. he's a he's a friend and uh and we go way back and we spent lots of time on the bike together but we have completely different perspectives on on nutrition and the thing that i just can't wrap my brain around is this idea that like when did it when did ketosis become like this thing that we should all aspire to when really it's this it's really like an emergency scenario in your body your body is going into like this condition that it doesn't want to be in it's insanity right? like, it's, so it's, it's like when did dr <clears throat> atkins become a sports nutrition expert when did dr atkins say hey you know i could probably line up the tour de france Dr. Atkins died obese. Rest in peace, Dr. Atkins. 258 pounds. Autopsy reports indicated chronic heart disease, coronary thrombosis. Mm-hmm. He wasn't in good shape. Mm-hmm. Why is there yep. not a single Tour de France rider drugged up to the gills, whatever, EPO, clenbuterol, uh, ACAR drugs, the peptide hormones they use? Now, why aren't they doing low-carb if low-carb is better performance? A lot of them are playing with the fruit and the vegan diet, though. I'm hearing that. I've got friends in cycling circles, that, and I hear them all the time because they want to lose the weight. They, 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 these Tour de France riders want to get so skinny. They're not doing keto, ketogenic diets. They're not even like bodybuilders. They want to get super skinny, super lean, get that body fat level right down. Chris Froome mm-hmm. in the 2013 Tour de France almost got dropped because he ran out of sugar. He got Richie Port to go back to the team car and get some sugar. Right. I, yeah, I mean, I don't know how you could be a competitive professional cyclist without, I mean, you need glycogen. That's, that's your fuel, you know? So, I mean, I guess I could sort of understand when you're in training, trying to, uh, 
trying trying to get your body to become more fat adapted in your aerobic state when you're training. But when you're pinning it and you're you're above your aerobic threshold and you're anaerobic, like you need glycogen and there's no way around it. Like how are you going to compete otherwise? You can't. Impossible. Even in the powerlifting, is glucose derived ATP gives you the most strength. That's why guys a lot of guys do testosterone because they can store more glycogen. It's all about fueling red blood cells. Red blood cells run on glucose. Your red blood cells don't have enough fuel, they start dying off, it can't work properly, your performance goes down. Even sprinters using EPO to boost their red blood cell, red blood cells give you power. The notion that ketosis helps red blood cells is, is bogus. Mm-hmm. Phagocytosis, which is basically your immune system, where your phagocyte cells can uh, in, uh, engulf the, the bad cells or the toxins or whatever, that is dependent on your level of glucose. So the less glucose you have in your system, the lower your immune system is. That's why in cycling, we always get taught, never go hungry, because if you get too hungry, if you run out of sugars, you can thrash your immune system and get sick. Yeah, you're putting your body into a crisis state. And the other thing that never gets really addressed or talked through is, is this idea that when you're eating this high-fat diet uh, and, and all these animal products, you're creating a tremendous amount of inflammation in oh. your body as oh, a yeah. response. And all that's doing is slowing down your body's ability to recover in between workouts and creating a scenario in which you're more likely to get sick and fry your immune system in this state of like chronic acidosis. So, so, so then I guess my question is, so given all of this, like why is this so popular? I mean, is it just because people, they want to eat that stuff and they just love hearing that it's good for them, that, that, that they can do it and, you know, bacon all the way? I mean, it's just weird how... Suddenly, it's like everybody's so excited about eating bacon all the time. Where, where it's like, I mean, for the last 50 years, we're all pretty clear that like it's probably not a good idea to eat bacon. It's not good for you. And then suddenly, everybody's praising it like it's the second coming. I remember in 1998, I was a bicycle courier. And I was talking to this overweight receptionist, lovely lady. She's like, hi, I'm doing a new diet. Wish me luck. I said, what's the diet say? She goes, it's Dr. Atkins diet. I'm like, what's that? She goes, I just eat bacon and steak all day long and, and lots of cream and, and eggs. And I'm like, you're going to get fat, man. I wouldn't eat that stuff. I'm a cyclist and I can burn it off, but it's going to make you fat and give you heart disease. She goes, no, no, it's, it's apparently it's pretty good. So that was back in 98. People love to hear good things about their bad habits. I said to this lady, why do you want to do that? She goes, oh, I love eating this stuff. And I'm like, that's why you want to do it, isn't it? She goes, yeah, you know. I'm not going to buy a book that tells me the, the, the truth. <laughs> mm-hmm. And she said it in like a tongue-in-cheek sort of way. But that plan to see, that's, that's why these books sell because people with low consciousness or low standards, they just they want to believe bullshit. They want to believe good things about their bad habits. Like, yeah, smoking's good for you. makes your lungs stronger. Or lots of meat clears up your arteries. Or lots of fat helps you burn fat better. It's, it's absolute rubbish. And they will go to talks and they'll buy books from overweight people who couldn't even run around the block without risk of heart attack. They'll buy books and people who've got cancer. They don't care. They just want to have good things about their bad habits and live in fairy tale land that they can eat this crap and come out skinny looking like frilly. And that's why on Instagram, mm-hmm. we just started off on Instagram. I'll take a picture of frilly first thing in the morning when she's got all her knickers and lingerie on and she's doing some <laughs> sexy pose. And I'll hashtag it paleo diet, primal diet, Atkins diet, paleo. So when people search in paleo, prime, Atkins, like whatever, they'll come up with this picture of Frilly and they'll be like, oh, wow, look, there's a hot chick and she's eating all the bacon she wants. And then they'll click on her, <laughs> they'll click on her profile and just get bombarded with the truth. The fat you mm-hmm. eat the fat you wear. If you want to smash endothelium cells and increase your risk of heart disease, eat as much animal protein and fat as you want. Right. I mean, the thing is, is that 
people can lose weight on Atkins, but it's a short term thing. I mean, who who who's who sustains that? You know, like the, it doesn't. It's not a sustainable health solution. It's a short term way to drop a little bit of weight and damage your body on the way down. I call it make yourself sick diet. You lose you, you lose water weight. Just stop drinking water for a week and put your, put your kidneys in overdrive. You'll lose water weight, but it's not healthy. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. we're into things that give you energy and keep you slim without deprivation and starvation. I'm lazy as, Freely's lazy as. And what the benefits of this lifestyle is <laughs> pick up some fruit, eat it, put some rice in the rice cooker, put some sauce in it, eat it, whatever. Freely's inside making a banana smoothie right now. It's just real simple stuff. The vegan lifestyle is the easiest. It's not a lot of food prep. You don't get food poisoning from eating some pita dog food or whatever. It's, it makes sense. And when you're in ketosis, your mood sucks. Mm-hmm. Your breath yeah, stinks. Bad, yeah, yeah, I was going to say a bad breath. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had a friend one time doing the raw paleo diet, and actually she died, unfortunately. My friend V, she did a water fast and died, but she got food poisoning from eating some animal products, so she did a water fast, and then she died of kidney failure. This is back in 2009. And, uh, you know, it just it just pains me to see people getting caught into this whole gimmick, man, of this ketosis and stuff. But it, I, it's just like people have got a clatter in their brain. They can't – they see me and Freely and Doug Graham and McDougal and Bernard and yourself. They see us out there slim and energy and they see it, but they some part of their brain just doesn't make the connection. They're like, oh, but isn't rice fattening or isn't fruit fattening? Or they're like, oh, I've got to eat more bacon. I'm fat from eating the fruit. Actually, I don't eat fruit, but – no, I'm, I don't know why I'm... Oh, maybe it's just... They just don't know. <laughs> They're making up all these excuses in their head. So they don't have right. any reaction. Well, there's two things I think that are going on right now that are that are powerful and that are impediments to people seeing what it is that you want them to see. The first is our ridiculous obsession with protein, this completely misplaced, misdirected, uh, you know, sort of marketing message that's been imposed upon us since, you know, who knows when by vested interests who are standing to profit, you know, countless dollars by having you believe that you need a tremendous amount of protein, not just to be an athlete or, or excel as an athlete, but just to live. And it's crazy and ridiculous and it's killing us, right? So there's that. And then we have <clears throat> this sort of new, the, the, the new like sort of popular idea that uh, fat is not your enemy and everything that you heard about saturated fat is wrong and uh, cholesterol is not bad for you and everything that you used to think about that has been disproved, right? So there's this notion swirling around right now by a lot of these, these sort of people that are writing these books that are, that are telling people that that's not the cause of heart disease. And that just astounds me when we've kind of known since, you know, Dean Ornish did his studies, you know, eons ago that this is what is causing heart disease. I mean, you're on board with that, right? I mean... Oh, people are getting heart disease from organic mangoes and peach pudding. <laughs> right, yeah. They're getting obesity from steamed rice with uh, pinto beans and broccoli. Right. And, and you know, you look at China, the China study, you know, and, and sort of heart disease rates historically in China, which were close to non-existent in many parts of China. And now with the introduction of the the Western diet to China and the proliferation of KFC and these fast food chains there, they're having an obesity problem and a heart disease problem for the very first time. Bingo. Oh, it's because they're eating rice right. now. Because they're eating rice. 
Yeah, it's, right. <laughs> I mean, this is a culture that ate rice and vegetables forever, right? Yeah. And we're perfectly healthy. So, so yeah. So, I mean, right now it's it's cool to put you know butter in your you know grass fed butter in your coffee <laughs> and uh, and just put copious amounts of coconut oil and everything you're eating and drinking all day long and there's this yeah this like high fat craze that seemingly came out of nowhere i don't know how that's related to paleo or where that's coming from specifically but there are these these guys like peter atia who are who are getting a lot of traction and are like well funded to put this message out there that fat is actually your friend and there's all this research purportedly from their perspective to support this idea that saturated fat is not causing heart disease, right? I mean, is that, you've probably read more of this stuff than I have. I mean, is that your understanding of like what's going on right now? They're basically trying to debunk Dr. Ansel Keys in the 50s who did the Minnesota study, stuff like that, who's such a pioneer. <laughs> but he's the, he's the crunch line. None of these charlatan snake oil high-fat sellers have ever published a single clinical study with a multitude of people indicating evidence of reversing heart disease. But you know what? The high-carb vegan doctors like McDougall, Esselstein, Ornish, they've, they've published the clinical studies. They've published the angiograms, the photos, the, the dye and stuff like that, showing that their arteries have cleared up in that. But none of these hucksters, these high-fat butter lovers have done that. What is the meaning of life? What happens when we die? What is our purpose here? If like me, you ponder these delicious existential questions, I have got just the thing for you. It's called Soul Boom. It's a podcast hosted by everyone's favorite best friend and my friend, the deep thinking and deeply hilarious Rain Wilson, where he communes with intellectuals and entertainers, theologians and philosophers in intimate exchanges that tickle the mind, heart, and yes, the soul. Subscribe to Soul Boom on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts and explore other groundbreaking series at voicingchange.media. You are listening to this podcast because you care about improving your health and your well being. But this quest is incomplete if you have yet to add my friend Dr. Rangan Chatterjee's Feel Better, Live More podcast into your listening quiver an RRP favorite, and someone I'm personally quick to call when I'm in need of good advice. From nutrition to mindset, fitness, and relationships, each episode is packed with the tools you need to become the architect of your health. Subscribe to Feel Better, Live More, available wherever you get your podcasts and explore other groundbreaking series at voicingchange.media. There are certain rare people who have a powerful voice and know how to use it. My friend Amanda Decadene is one such human. The podcast is called The Conversation because it is the conversation, a groundbreaking series of raw and honest exchanges on the issues that matter most. Mental health, sex, politics, ambition, gender roles, and more. Listen to The Conversation wherever you get your podcasts and explore other groundbreaking series at voicingchange.media. Who are the guys that are that are fighting this? We've got 
McDougal, we have Esselstyn, T. Colin Campbell, Jeff Novick, Mark Bit, well, Mark Bittman, not really, uh, Neil Bernard, John Robbins. I mean, who are the other kind of champions that that are on this side of that equation? Uh, Doug Graham. In terms of clinical Doug published Graham, studies, yeah. I'd say it's McDougal, Esselstyn, Bernard, Ornish, Campbell. Ornish. There's, there's a lot of others out there as well. They're there, there, sort of high-profile ones. So um, on the, the 80-10-10 thing, I heard something really interesting. Um, it was secondhand, so I don't know if it's actually legit or, or true, but uh, uh, do you know who Jeff Novick is? Yes. So Jeff Novick, a friend of mine was saying, oh, have you heard Jeff Novick's opinion on 80-10-10? I said, no, what, what is it? And he said that, uh, that his belief was, and I'm just interested in what you think about this, was that it, it seems to work really well for people that are extremely active, like yourself or, or Arnstein and guys like that, but that because our, um, the nutrient density of our, our fruits is so much lower uh, than, it, than it used to be, <clears throat> that you have to eat a tremendous amount of the fruit in order to get the, micro, the necessary micronutrients. And so if you're a more sedentary person or somebody who's not that active, uh, then uh, you're not going to have the the appetite to kind of eat the volume of fruit that somebody like you or or Mac Danzig is going to be eating on a daily basis, and then and you might run into trouble with making sure that you're meeting all your micronutrient needs. I mean, is, have you I've heard, heard that, that before? before? Yeah, that- yeah, I've heard that before, and I agree with that 100. percent But here's the thing: being sedentary ain't healthy. So it doesn't matter what you're eating. If you're sedentary, you ain't going to be healthy. Right. So the fruit quality isn't what it used to be. I mean, Brian Clement says the fruit's 50 times sweeter than it used to be. Well, that means someone who's eating 30 bananas a day now used to have to eat maybe 50 times, 1,500. <laughs> Brian Clement says that fruit's 50 times sweeter today than it used to be. So if you're eating 30 bananas a day today, it means back in the day you'd have to eat 1,500 bananas a day. So some people are saying fruit doesn't have as much sugar as it used to. Some people are saying it's got more. I say it's got less because fruit tastes like crap compared to what it used to even 20 years ago in general. My grandparents, Mm -hmm. my mother says, the fruit used to be much, much sweeter. Sweeter fruit is nature's way of saying this has got nutrition. Eat this fruit, spread that seed, and don't eat the sour stuff. And that's that's the rule of nature. The animal who gets the most sugar is going to get the most nutrients because they're going to have more energy. The body's going to work better. The lymphatic system's working better. So Novik is correct in saying that if you're sedentary, you won't get enough nutrition. But I say that's like a hypothetical. Like, why are we recommending people to live a sedentary lifestyle? That's not healthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, in fairness to him, I don't know that he's recommending a, a sedentary lifestyle. Well, he's not. But that if, some, if somebody actually is, then that might, be, that might become an issue. I'd say the issue would be not with nutritional sufficiency, but they're going to have health issues because they're not putting their lymphatic system out there. They're not getting deep oxygen breathing from bit of cardio they're not getting enough vitamin d because they're staying inside their posture is not going to be the best because they're sitting behind a computer all day i mean that's me i sit right. behind a computer all day but i make sure i go outside and get some fresh air and i make sure i do some sport just to get my blood flowing because i know it's healthy i don't have to do mm-hmm. freely in myself we don't have to do sport for weight loss we have to do sport for health our diet mm-hmm. is weight loss right and and the sort of uh the Peter Atias of the world would say that eating eating the way that you're eating is extremely unhealthy, and that's going to lead you towards um, fatty liver and what other kind of. I mean, what are what are the other claims that people are making about the ill effects of eating the way that you're eating? And then I want you to talk about like what's actually going on with your blood tests. Those guys say I'm going to be obese. I'm leaner than all of them. Those guys say my blood tests are going to be bad. I've got better blood tests than all of them. In fact, they don't even put their blood tests up. Rob Wolf put his blood tests up. 
They were shocking. At least he was, had the courage to admit that his blood tests were shocking. He said yeah, that, I mean, I think it, it is it is cool that Rob's at least honest yeah. about that kind of stuff. Like, he's transparent with yeah, his own process. I appreciated that. But all the... They say my hemoglobin A1C is going to be high. I got that tested. It's perfect. They say my hormone levels are going to be out. They're all good. I don't And I don't take synthetic testosterone like a lot of these guys do. doesn't make them bad people. But when they put up their blood tests, well, they never have. But if they did and had good testosterone, I'd be putting a bit of money on it that they'd be slipping in some synthetic testosterone there. Because when you eat a low-carb diet, it stuffs up your hormone levels. It stuffs up your hormone mm-hmm. levels so your body starts to – it just can't work properly. Mm-hmm. Um, they say I'm going to have high blood sugar. My blood sugar is always good. They say I'm going to have high potassium levels. I'm going to have hyperkalemia. My potassium levels are always good. They say I'm going to have cramping from not enough sodium in my diet. My, I, I, I don't get cramps unless I have too much sodium because then it makes it dehydrated. They say I'm going to have inflammation. I'm, I'm slimmer than all those guys. They say it's bad for women. My girlfriend's slimmer than all their girlfriends. And it doesn't make me a better person or whatever, but it's just basically whatever they say is the opposite. And I say to all the people, judge by results versus theory. Look at my blood tests. Look how lean we are compared to them. Where are their blood tests? Where are their drug-free athletic results? They're not there. The, the funny thing, the interesting thing is that, is that uh, then the response you get is, well, you, you're too skinny. You're, you, look yeah. like, uh, <laughs> you look like a Holocaust victim. And it's like, well, what is it? Are you telling me I'm going to be fat or you're telling me too skinny? Like it gets yeah. confused with the whole thing. So, well, hang, what's, what's, which one is it? I won't have enough energy mm-hmm. as a vegan, but Duran Rod is skinny because he does so much sport. Hang on, but I thought you said you, vegans don't have enough energy. Now I'm saying I'm, I'm lean because I do so much sport. And then you say, oh, I can't do a vegan diet because I wouldn't have enough energy. But that Duran Rod guy, he's got a lot of energy, but he's only slim because he's... Oh, oh, um, um, oh, oh, what's the next mm-hmm. question? They just, they contradict themselves. They're so undercard. They contradict themselves all the time. Cars right. make you fat. You're too thin. Um, we wouldn't have enough energy as a vegan. Oh, you, 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 you train too much. It just, it's, it's nonsense. And then I think the next thing is that always comes up is, well, it's just, it's just too extreme to do what you're doing. You know, it's just, it's, there's no, how am I going to eat? You know, there's no way I'm going to go about my day and eat, you know, 30 bananas a day or, or, or whatever it is. I just can't imagine myself doing it. So there's a lack of willingness there to experiment, I guess, I suppose. Um, but also just to acknowledge that, you know, even, even when I had Michael Arnstein on the podcast, he's like, yeah, it's extreme. I have to go to the fruit wholesaler and back a truck up, you know, and I have four refrigerators and all of that. Like, it's just, it's not something that is, you know, that you see on a, on a daily basis. He's made it work in his life. And you have obviously successfully and Mac Danzig has and others have. Um, and actually I share an office space here with a guy who just finished my buddy, Greg Smith. He just did his third 100 mile race and he's been eating 80, 10, 10 for about two years right now. And this is a guy who was like never a runner never done anything and he doesn't even train that much and he just he just did the headlands 100 up in the up in san francisco the other week and he's so excited that i was going to be talking to you like he's totally fired up like i think i think i spoke with greg on a few emails yeah probably i mean he knows victoria i think i think he's had a lot of emails with victoria arnstein or, or, or whatever but he was all fired up and yeah i mean he just and his business he's an architect and a designer has exploded since he changed his diet. And he said to me the other day, I am absolutely convinced, not only 
um, is the reason that I'm able to run these hundred mile races because I've changed my diet, but like my business is better. Like I just, I think, I think more clearly I'm more present in my life. My relationship with my wife and my kids is better. Like he is, and he looks super fit and he looks, he looks much younger than he is. And, uh, you know, there's no way that you can take issue with it. Like he's just a walking example. So you can say whatever you want, but it's really how you live your life and, and the quality of your relationships and, and how you kind of walk through your day that are much more powerful than whatever comes out of your mouth. And, you know, this, my friend Greg is an example. You're an example. Um, but people still say, well, good for you, but there's no way that I'm, that I could do that. Right. I mean, is that, you know, I mean, is there, is there, for somebody who's interested in kind of embarking on this 80, 10, 10 way of life, I mean, how does somebody get started who might be intimidated? That's an awesome point. And I wish people would come to me straight up and say that, Harley, I know it all makes sense, you know, but you know what? My family's going to make fun of me. My workmate's going to make fun of me. I can't do it. And I'll go, you know what? I, I can totally relate. I understand you. I understand that. I get my back up when people make up all those excuses like the, the cholesterol myth and, you know, paleo diet, growth hormone, author book or whatever. At the end of the day, I understand that people are scared of social disapproval. Mm-hmm. They want to be lean and healthy, but they're like, oh, I know this sort of rice diet and the fruit diet works and stuff, but what, what's, my, what's my husband going to say or my wife or my kids? Or my f-? And they're scared of that. But I'll tell you what, if you'll keep living for social disapproval if you keep worshipping the god of public opinion it doesn't matter what you're going to do in life you're always going to be suffering because you're so scared of what people think about you and that was Mm -hmm. that was the biggest hurdle for me changing my diet I was like I learned about what was in sausages like knobs, nuts, scrotes, throats thyroids, ears and lobes in sausages my grandma put a sausage on my plate back in 1996 and I was like um I looked at her and she's like what's wrong I said oh nothing nothing she goes eat your sausage and yeah I will but it took me about an hour to work up the courage to say, actually, Nan, I don't want to eat the sausage. You know, so I was scared of what my 75-year-old mm-hmm. grandma was going to say. It's a real issue. And uh, the thing that I always kind of bear in mind with that kind of stuff is most people are self-obsessed. So you project all this kind of thing onto other people. Bingo. And the truth of the matter is they're, they're thinking about their own life. Exactly. They don't, really, they don't really care that much. You know what I mean? And like, and, and they'll get over it. I'll get know? over so, it. A great example is another guy who I think you know, who's a friend of mine out here, uh, Evan Rock. Oh, yeah. You know right. Evan? Right. So Evan, Evan is, Evan's a cool dude. And uh, <clears throat> he, you know, he got on board the 80-10-10 thing. And he is, uh, he works in commercial real estate. Like he works in a straight up office in a business context where he has to go to lunch with these people or whatever. And I'll run into him at Whole Foods at, at lunch or whatever. And he just goes and gets an entire watermelon and just sits there and, and eats the whole thing. And the guys at Whole Foods, all like, you know, the guys that work at Whole Foods would make fun of him. But now they know what he's getting when he comes in and they get it ready for him. And his co- I said, you know, how do your coworkers deal with it? Like he's sitting in a, in a tie, you know, in a suit on his lunch hour from his office and he's eating an entire watermelon. And that's just not something you see as like a normal in the normal course of going through your day, right? I'm like, so do your, the guys you work with make fun of you? Like, how does this go down? And he's like, yeah, at first, but you know, now it's just, that's Evan, you know, people adapt and it, you have to, you know, you have to have a strong sense of yourself to take that stand and do that. But I think you realize like once you do, it's not the big deal that you project upon it. I've got to say, don't take nothing personally. And when you go vegan, you learn to be more tolerant and accepting of other people's little shenanigans or whatever. I don't take nothing personally anymore. I have fun with it. Yeah. 
I don't know if I don't know if you would be characterized as tolerant though. Are you are you tolerant? I don't think you're that tolerant. You got to be tolerant. I was gonna be punching people in the face when they make fun of your diet. <laughs> I know I know what people are going to say even before they open their mouth just by looking at their face. I can lip read them, you know. And I, so I've already got my answer, my little wisecrack remark already ready. You know, it's like even a street fight. You already know what side of the punch is going to come from, or you can look at someone's foot stance, know if they can fight or not. Or I know exactly what they're going to say, and I've got like a hundred different answers. I'm going to have fun with it, and they're going to have a laugh. And end of the day, they're going to be empowered. I'm going to. Ha- I'm going to walk away from the situation like, yeah, that was a pretty cool answer, Harley. Well done. Good for your ego. But they're going to walk away going, you know what, that yeah, that was interesting. I'm going to check that website out. Or, yeah, I'm going to... My, my grandpa died of heart disease. I'm going to look up that book of Mr. Esselstein. Or, yeah, fruit's good, but I might read the 801010 book. I'm going to, they're going to leave my conversation empowered. 100% every time. And that's my goal. And objection is a request more information. So if someone says, hey, you eating your rabbit fruit again? I'm like, yeah, well, you eat your vulture food again, and I'll have a bit of a laugh, and we'll have a, a dialogue, a communication. Every, yeah, everything is an opportunity for a dialogue or a conversation, you know, and it's just how you approach that, I think. And, um, you know, so so walk us through like a typical day in, in what you eat from when you get up in the morning and like where you get your food and how much it costs and, you know, what, what are the budgetary constraints? What are the logistical constraints of making sure that you have all of these kinds of foods on hand and, and how do you make it all work? Yeah, that's the next one is situational inconvenience. We don't live in a fruit friendly world. So the person's got to, you got to, you got to hunt for it. Cause I can, between my house and my, the fruit shop I go to, there's about five different places that sell junk food. So I've got to go past that to get to the good stuff. You've got to go from the mud to get to the gold. Just quickly, though, on the other topic we're saying about social disapproval, before I met Freely 10 years ago when I was into the fruit thing, I used to go and pick up girls just by walking around eating a watermelon. And I'd just, I'd just mm-hmm. go to the mall or whatever, and the girls would come to me and go, what are you doing eating the watermelon? It's really healthy or, or funny or whatever. And you just meet women. So it was a great way to meet really like-minded people. But getting back to the question, where do I get my food from? How much do I spend? What do I eat in the day? Breakfast is always fruit. Lunch, always fruit. Dinner, most of the time fruit. But if I can't get enough fruit, then it'll be some sort of like McDougal, Esselstein, low-sodium, low-fat starch dish like corn or barley or maize, rice, pasta, whatever. Um, But I do prefer the fruits. I honestly feel best on Mm -hmm. fruits. So starch is something I do promote and do consume as more of a backup plan. I don't think the starch diet works best as a staple. I think it's excellent. I just think, I just know that fruit's better. But getting fruit is hard. People say, that's not, what do you mean, man? Look, there's fruit shops all around the place. I can get fruit anywhere. You can get fruit, but it's not edible fruit. The fruit sold in most groceries, especially in Australia, it, it tastes hideous. It tastes like pesticide vaseline and rusty water there's no sugar mm-hmm. in it because it's just picked way too early it's grown with crap like potassium nitrates whatever just so to get fruit edible fruit is very challenging and that's why i do promote a backup plan with Dougal style diet because i don't want people going oh 80 10 10 is awesome and they eat fruit from their local fruit market and then go man i'm just starving like i'm flopping i'm not getting no calories here where's the burgers where's the meat so i want to give right. a backup plan so what do i eat for breakfast my preference is generally banana smoothie, lunch, banana smoothie, dinner, banana smoothie, or dates, blended dates, or some sort of uh, rice dish. And I'll eat as much as I care for. 
I don't limit my calories. I always make sure I get at least three and a half thousand calories a day. At least. So I'll, do, I'll do quick math by four o'clock and I think, how many calories have I had today? All right, I've got to get some more in. And people are like, what? Are you crazy? You want to eat less calories, man? Calorie restriction. I'll say, I disagree. I want to feel strong the next day. I want to have my glycogen restored the next day or the day after. I want to be like ready to go again the next day. Be it a two-hour discussion on the street with someone I just met and I've just finished a a 10k hike or a 100k bike ride and someone says how are you doing right you know that guy internet oh have you got any, have you got a second i'm like man i got as much time as you want let me grab some carbs let me get some water let's sit down and talk i want to have that energy i can give to people every second of the day from when i wake up to go to bed i never want to be starving mm-hmm. or listless or thinking about food i just want to be nourished and that's why i eat so many carbohydrates because i want that stamina i'm obsessed with drug-free stamina the reason why i don't do stimulants anymore Stimulants work, speed works, meth works, coke works, but the next day it drops you because it fries your adrenal glands. I want to have rock solid energy every second of the day in standby. And Fairly's just right. out. he's just giving me some some blended dates with the vanilla powder in there. Fairly's walking around in some bike shorts and a, a sporty, sexy bra top. Fruit's good for the body. So where do I get my fruit from? Organic wholesalers are good. I heard in LA they've got a good produce market there. So are you, are, you, uh, are you always trying to get organic? Or, you know, one of the things that was interesting when I was talking to Michael Arnstein was I said, you know, what's the percentage of, of organic fruit that you're eating compared to conventionally grown? And he said that that was one thing that he really could improve on, that he doesn't concern himself that much as to whether something is organic and conventional. And I, and I thought that was a little interesting and surprising because especially with the volume oh, of yeah. the fruit that, he, that he's eating, you're eating that much conventionally grown fruit. So you have to you know, look at the amount of pesticides and toxins that you're probably intaking as a, resu- as a result of that. And, <clears throat> you know, I mean, I understand that if you were going to do it organic, that's going to drive the price up considerably. But, I mean, are you, are, it sounds like you're a little bit more judicious or cautious about you know, where your fruit is coming from than, than maybe he is. Or maybe it's just not as available to him. I don't, I don't know. In the U.S., the quality of fruit is exceptional because most of the fruit in the U.S. comes from Mexico, Ecuador, Peru, Chile, Uruguay, Argentina, etc., where they've got a better fruit-growing culture down there. So the fruit quality is pretty high. Even conventional, conventional fruit in the U.S. tastes better than the, the top-shelf organic stuff in Australia, generally. Oh, really? Why is that? Because in Australia, we have virtually no competition for fruit quality because we have the strictest quarantine laws in the world in, in regards to importing fresh fruits and stuff. So basically, if you, if you go to a fruit shop and you're like, these mangoes taste like shit, I want to get some Mexican mangoes. They're like, well, go to Mexico, buddy, because we only sell Australian mangoes. And yeah, you can get some good fruit now and then, but it's not as consistent as the US. The US is much mm-hmm. better fruit quality. And all my friends that come over to Australia go, the fruit's so expensive, it's $10 a mango or whatever, and it just tastes like crap. So you can get some good fruit, but you really got to hunt for it. That's why whenever someone says, oh, I'm doing the fruit diet in Australia, I just, just found out about, about it, it makes so much sense, I cringe inside because I'm thinking, fuck, where are they going to get their food from? It's so mm-hmm. hard. And that's why I give the backup plan. I like to be realistic. I like to say, okay, here's the, here's the bar, here's the gold standard, and here's silver. And just juggle between those two. Don't drop from gold down to lead <laughs> on the paleo diet right. or whatever. Stay up there. Stay with the high-carb vegan lifestyle. Do the best to get your fruits. If you can't get your fruits, add in your 
your, your maize or your corn or whatever McDougal style meals for dinner to get your cal- carbohydrate calories in. Because right. organic means a lot to me. The reason why I got, get organic in Australia, the, to be honest, the biggest reason is t- it just tastes better in Australia. The conventional fruit in Australia is just, is just hideous 90% of the time. It's hideous. So I go organic, A, because it tastes way better than the conventional crap in Australia, and B, it's the right thing to do for the planet, C, it's the best thing for my health, and D, it's, it's, just, it's logic. Pesticides ain't good for us, and the less we can consume, right. the better. But at the end of the day, a vegan diet is still going to be lower in overall residual pesticides and environmental toxins than someone eating a, you know, a wild sort of, let's say someone's out in the bush and they're eating like rabbit dung, rabbit guts, moose brain, etc. They're still going to have more toxins than someone eating a, a conventional vegan diet because those animals, all the toxins are stored in the animal fat. So even if you're having organic dairy, all those environmental toxins, the Roundup glyphosates, that's all stored in the animal fat and tissue, the protein. And if you cook that mm-hmm. animal stuff, you've got the uh, heterocyclic amines, the benzopyrenes, the advanced uh, glycated end products, which can cause in the meat products when it's heated. So, yeah, you might get a lot of pesticide exposure from uh, eating your conventional fruits, but it's nowhere near as much as someone consuming animal products. Right. You know, the next thing I kind of want to know is, is, you know, where are you – like, where are you taking all this? Like, what's the what's the goal? Like, what's the next step? I mean, you're just going to continue with the YouTube channel. I mean, you're working on the book. I know that, but but like, what's the what's what's the goal here? Like, what what are some of the things that you'd like to be doing or or see yourself doing in the future that maybe aren't happening quite yet? I've got some personal goals. One is Amazon bestseller, New York Times bestseller. Just more hits on the YouTube. Just create a, a cult following. Not for my ego, but for the benefit of the planet, the animals, and humanity. I want to get people understanding that they have a choice when it comes to health. They have a choice when it comes to drug-free stamina. They've got a choice when it comes to natural weight loss. They've got a choice at the end of the day. They don't have to buy into the lies of the big agro meat military medicine industries that tell people you've got to have your protein, you you got to do all that stuff. That's my goal is just to create world change. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I think that, that uh, and that's a laudable goal, of course. I, you know, I think that one of the reasons, it, you know, my theory or like one of my, you know, my opinion on, on why I think your, your message resonates so, so powerfully is maybe you don't say it that often outright, but really like what's behind, all, you know, everything that you're doing is this idea that we all need to be more self-empowered and educated about this, the decisions that we're making, right? And that it's incumbent upon us to do our own research and to take ownership or responsibility for those choices and where our dollar's getting spent. And, you know, you and I agree that, listen, if you want to do the most, <clears throat> if you want to, the best thing that you can do for yourself is to start eating more plants. And in the most basic sense, that is going to revolutionize your health it's the best thing for the planet. It's the it's the most ethical choice that you can make. There's a whole battery of reasons why this is, you know, in my opinion, really the optimal only human diet if we want to persist as a species. And people can take issue with that and we can argue about that and all that sort of thing. But at the end of the day, you know, it's really about self-empowerment and taking ownership of your decisions and getting people to evaluate what's going on there in the world, like in terms of the messages that we're being bombarded with, right? Like what is really going on? Like take a look at what you're being told and, and 
peel the layers back and look at why you're being told that and try to look beyond the message into the motivation behind it. Who stands to gain from this? Why are you being told this? And I think you're really getting people to open their eyes and look at things in a, in a different way. And that's, that's empowering, man. That's a, that's a really cool thing. Cheers. Always tell people, so, when you're getting told something, ask what's being sold. Mm-hmm. For sure, right? <laughs> so what are you selling, man? <laughs> I've got, got a $2 audio book. Yeah, there you go. So uh, basically- What is the- uh, wh- Well, let's sell some of those for you. What is the audio book? I just, it's just a few more talks. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to get my arse in gear and put a better compilation out there with more interviews. Right. But you got, I mean, how many videos do you have on your channel now? I've got over, I've got, I've got about seven different channels. And then there's, then, and then I watch- why do you have so many? Well, uh, hold on a second. First of all, I remember like your YouTube channel got pulled down at yeah. one point last year. What happened? Don't even really know, to be honest. I had, a, I've got a few friends in Google and they wrote emails and then the channel got put back up. So I'm not sure if they don't even know. Google is just so big and so it's, a, it's like a wild, wild west out there. Anything can happen any day of the week. You can, your channel can go viral, it can get shut down. It's just, it's the law of YouTube. <laughs> so it's back. I'm grateful. So- Right, but we don't. You don't know if there was some kind of nefarious activity where somebody sabotaged your channel, or, or I mean, you probably have your theories about that. So why do you have seven channels? Why don't you just have one channel? Well, I've got the one main channel during. So they can't. They can't, they can't all go. Yeah, that's why. Go down. down. Yeah, if it's because if one goes down, it's still. <laughs> <laughs> all right. And, and what I've also done, the extra trolling, is I've I've said to anyone on YouTube, I said you can upload my content, you can monetize it, you can do whatever the f you want with it. I don't care. So now there's people uploading, you know, a couple of thousand of my videos or whatever on their channels, and there's so I'm just I can't be deleted on the, off the internet now. It's just out there. It's, right. it's, I've infected the, the the YouTube community with the hot positive health message. <laughs> right. <laughs> Excellent, man. Well, yeah. I mean, you get you know, you've done quite something with your with your YouTube uh, video. videos, man. It's uh, it's you're a force to be reckoned with, and my hat is off to you. And that, that's my motivating factor every day. Help people. Yeah, and keep stirring the pot, man, Jeez, right? Man. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I just want to get people thinking. Right. Well, good, man. Well, hopefully uh, today we've given people something to think about. If people want to uh, learn more about what you're up to and want to follow your mission, your uh, uh, YouTube channel is the main one. I mean, I just go to Durian Riders, yeah, just, right? That's the main one. That's where I upload most of the videos, so Durian Riders there and then uh and and uh you're on twitter at durian riders you're not that active on twitter though really right no i'm i'm more doing the instagram thing right what are you on instagram durian rider durian rider there and uh and facebook and all that good stuff right yeah durian riders there as well and are you doing like speaking gigs are you traveling around speaking to people yeah we we just come back from woodstock fruit festival which is a great event and that's gonna be on in 2014 as well so we'll be there it's two week two week vegan and fruit festival that's a really good place to meet people and other crazy fruit eaters and vegans and stuff like that. That was a great event. Yeah, there, there was like 500 people there this year, right? Yeah, almost close to 600. And and even a lot and of people weren't even vegan. They just they just thought, I'm curious. I want to learn more about this crazy lifestyle. Let's check it mm-hmm. out. So they come and live on fruit for a week. Right. And and then um, Sanjay Gupta at CNN interviewed Michael Arnstein, and they gave they gave the fruit festival a little bit of love and a little bit of coverage. And so I'm sure next year it's going to be double the size. And I think is he doing a second week, or they're expanding it, right? Yeah, as Mike Arnstein, you know, if, if a little bit's good and more's better, and he's just such a hardworking guy, and he gets the team going. He's 
He definitely inspires me a lot, that guy. He's just a machine. Uh, he's an amazing guy. So if people want to check that out and learn more about the Woodstock Fruit Festival, it's just woodstockfruitfestival.com, right? Yeah, they will just Google that Woodstock Fruit Festival. It'll, videos will come up and the website will come up. That's, mm-hmm. that's the good thing about Google now. People don't have to get the exact website. They just sort of Google it in and it'll come up. Cool, man. Uh, anything else you want to let people know about? Just Life quality is all about sleep, water, sugar. You're not yourself when you're hungry. You're not yourself when you're thirsty. You're not yourself when you're tired. If you take care of your sleep, water, sugar, every day life is going to be a lot better. You're going to have a, a greater participation in your daily reality. Drink enough water so you pee and clear every couple of hours. If your urine is yellow or straw, you need to drink more. Go to bed as early as you want, 6, 7, 8, 9 p.m., that's what we're designed to do is get a lot of sleep. Look at animals in nature. They're getting a lot of sleep and rest. Don't let anyone tell you you're sleeping too much. Go to bed early and get up with the sun. Get out there and start smashing life. Carbohydrates, eat as much as you want. I recommend five grams of carbs per pound of body weight per day. Or if you're using the kilo system, uh, 10 grams of carbs per kilo body weight per day. So if you weigh 70 pounds, uh, sorry, 70 kilos, it's about 700 grams of carbs a day. If you weigh 150 pounds, it's about 700 grams of carbs a day. That's 35 bananas or a two-pound bag of dates or two-pound bag dry weight of rice or pasta or corn, etc. Just get the carbs in, keep your diet low fat, keep your sodium intake low so you're having less water retention. Check our videos out on YouTube. Check our website, 30bananasaday.com. There's a lot of support out there. It's all free. You have to buy anything, maybe buy a book or something, but that's about it. You spend 30 bucks, 50 bucks on some knowledge and you'd set. And just listen to podcasts and YouTube videos and embrace yourself in the community. Spend less money buy less stuff, but do more. Try things out, experiment, listen, be objective, write things down, do a food journal, write down how you felt, etc. And just take advice from people getting the drug-free results you desire. Avoid getting caught up in taking advice from people on drugs because it can, you can get, you get ripped off, man, because you do what they did. <laughs> you buy their product yeah. or their six-pack shortcuts or whatever, and you you're like, I'm not getting the results. It's like, yeah, because you're not on the gear, and they were. So just beware. There's a lot of people out there who just want your money, and that's all they want. If you see them on the street, they'll just pass you off, brush you off. Like, yeah, whatever, buddy. See you later. If you meet me or Freely on the street, come and say good day. We'll give you our time. You got some questions, we'll answer them. All right, cool. Well, I mean, that's an awesome place to uh, to to wrap it up, man. And, and uh, you know, it's hard to argue with that message. It's a beautiful thing that you're doing. And uh, just keep it up, man. Keep up the good work. And I hope one of these days I get to meet you in person. For sure, man. We'll go for a ride together. Yeah. You ever gonna, you ever, you, you ever see yourself coming through Los Angeles ever? Yeah. I was there last year, but as a bit of a last minute thing. We'll go, uh, we'll, uh-huh. go, we'll go for a swim. I'll be on the surfboard and you can tow me while you're swimming. Uh-huh. <laughs> No, uh, yeah, it would be good. It would be cool to get out there and go for a run or a ride, or, or, or you know, or if I'm in New York, or maybe I'll go to go to the Fruit Festival next year and we can hook up because I'd love to meet you. And uh, I appreciate what you're doing. Uh, big respect. Keep it up, and uh, let's stay in touch, man. For sure. All right. Thanks for your time, dude. No worries, Rich. All right. Peace. Plants. Yeah.